we're back with another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast for non-Trekkies and Trekkies alike. I'm joined today by my usual co-host, Paul. Hello. And Matt. Hello, everyone. I'm Liam, and we've also got a guest with us today. It's Todd Jordan from the Better End podcast. Hello, Star Friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, Todd does a podcast called The Bitter End uh, with his friend Tom, uh, where they go right to the bitter end of film franchises from the beginning to shitty diminishing returns as they go further along. Uh, so you've done Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, man, we've done Highlander, we've done Home Alone, we've done Police Academy, we've done Universal Soldier, we've probably done another one. Oh, we did Child's Play, one of the better ones. There may have been another one in there somewhere. We're currently on a break because my co-host is rudely having a baby. Very, very rude. Matt, Paul, you're not allowed to have babies, okay? Just making Don't this look at me. clear. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, was it like a horror slanted podcast, to be honest? So, listen, man, I've got a horror background. That's like mm-hmm. my thing. Um, my co-host, Tom, not so much. He's like a kind of an action movie car chase explosions guy. Mm. But we wanted a cultural exchange, right? We wanted to get together. We wanted to share ideas. We wanted to learn how to understand each other through the medium of franchise. So phase two may be an action focus. Well, like, yeah, it was Universal yeah, Soldier. Yeah, going to teach you. Yeah. You can tell which one of us got to pick the theme <laughs> yeah. of which season. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, but so that's where it came from. Just a, a means for two bros to sit back and, and kind of... Mm you know, learn to love each other through the medium of explosions and murder. So you start it from the beginning of the franchise and go forward. So yep. in theory, it should be from good to bad to worse. Are there any that buck the trend? My yeah. God, man. Uh, no, <laughs> there, you there you go. There you go. I mean, certainly not Home Alone, which gets down oh, yeah. and stays down. The first Friday the 13th is not the best one. Uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, controversially, may not be the best one. It's one or three, Dream Warriors right? Warriors yeah. for life. Um, even Child's Play, which has a dramatic turn of events partway through where it stops being child's play and starts being X of Chucky like the bride of Chucky the seed of Chucky curse of Chucky some of those later ones pretty good pretty good baby mm. pretty good personally wouldn't recommend any of the Universal Soldier films not even the first one <laughs> wow oh. uh, shots fired shots yeah. fired I hear, I hear good things about one of the later director video ones is it Regeneration the 2009 yeah. one they say that's pretty good all? I've, I've watched that one. I've you just watched. fucking I forgot just, it. You've done it. So good. I have <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> but of course, my favourite season of the Bit Around podcast was the Police Academy season, Todd. Probably not your se- favourite season having to watch the films, but was my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> they have not aged well. Like, rather like, I can imagine certain episodes of a certain star space-based TV show. Well, as we're going to find out today, because... One of the main reasons I asked you to be the guest for this particular episode, Todd, was I kind of thought there was a perfect correlation between your podcast and kind of watching to the bitter end of the franchises and us taking on the worst ever episodes of the Star Trek franchise. We're going to do the worst of the original series, the animated series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. We're skipping Discovery because I think it's a bit unfair. It's only had one season. You know, is that really going to have like a truly terrible episode? We've chatted all episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we've, we've covered it somewhere. Discovery a lot. Enterprise, we're going to skip because by all accounts, the worst ever episode is the last one, the actual finale. Uh, these are the Voyages. Um, I think it's cool. And we kind of thought... 
The whole point of this podcast is we're approaching from a non-tracking perspective. So, you know, we haven't got to a point where we've seen the whole of Enterprise yet or anything like that. So we don't feel we're in a fair place to judge that finale. But we are... we don't want to, like, you know, ruin a a future episode that may focus on finales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want want to spoil (laughs) Enterprise for ourselves, you know. Um, And, yeah, we are planning... Uh, episode in the future that will focus on kind of Star Trek finale so we will yeah, we can't have that finale ruin two shows yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we will return to it but for now we're going to start with Star Trek the original series now the way we've done this is obviously people are going to disagree about what is the worst episode of each series so we thought kind of the best blanket way to do it was if you go on IMDb every single episode is kind of rated people have voted on there and that's probably going to be the yeah. biggest putting collection. tv.com out of business yeah like second and third place there people have their own list but that's probably going to be the biggest collection of people voting on what is kind of you know what they think of the episode so we just chose the lowest ranked episode of each of the shows from IMDb and went from there. So the one for the original series, uh, with a rating of 5.2 out of 10, mm-hmm. is And the Children Shall Lead, which is from the third season of the original series, what I think most people would say is the worst season of the show, uh, the final season of the show as well. Um, so this was written by Edward J. Lasco. Uh, and directed by Marvin J. Chomsky and I believe you've got a brief plot description for us Matt yeah so this episode follows Kurt Spock and McCoy who find a scientific team dead on an unknown distant planet and the children who are still alive seem very unfazed by the whole thing uh, and unknown to the crew they have great powers at their disposal but no do they? Responsibility. <laughs> no. That's the problem. But Kurt's going to teach him a thing or two. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, well, well, the vinyl booties on the kids. Like, I, I, I didn't <laughs> even notice. Eagle eyes. I just think, like, it, it smacks of cheap, real cheap from the get go. Like, getting down that planet, this is epitome, you know, epitomizing everything, you know, somebody might imagine a bad Star Trek set would look like. Right. Uh, even like to the point like that cave over there which looks ridiculous. The cave of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, right? I watched this and I actually thought the opening was really effective. I thought it was straight in, no messing, they're beaming down amongst a ton of dead bodies following the, the stress call. I thought that's really dark. It would appear that they've all committed suicide. Mm. That's really fucking dark. Kirk actually says it's kind of mass suicide, this was. I mean, that is, that is really chilling, but it's kind of ruined by the, the stinger right before the tiles, essentially. Oh, no. Children. Well, <laughs> that's the thing, but I, I did find that creepy in terms of it's followed by the cries of the children playing, and I thought that's kind of weirdly mm. creepy juxtaposition between the two, especially they've got no reaction to the deaths around yeah, them. Yeah. They're doing ring a ring of roses I mean, all fall down. Yeah, I mean, these kids just on their own are very children of the corn. Yes. Yeah. Which I guess it children pre- predates it all, right? I mean, because that came later on, that was. That's my 80s. Well, I think it's probably more Children of the Damned, which is a uh, 50s thing, yeah. I think. Like, That's Village uh, of the Damned. Village of the Damned, but, but it's got a sequel called Children of the Damned, I think. Like, uh, But yeah, that's kind yeah. of 50s. E- evil kind of like blase kids up to no good with psychic powers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Todd, now 
what we usually do on the show is talk Star Trek credentials in regards to what you've seen before. I'm pretty sure you told me you've never seen any Star Trek whatsoever. Yeah, man, I'm here to tell you that this episode is the very first bit of Star Trek I've ever seen in my entire oh, life. Hell. I mean, we, we've done a disservice to the <laughs> franchise here. Like Drake, I've started at the bottom. <laughs> um, so it's your first, your gateway drug into Star Trek. How is this for you? Well, let me tell you guys that I did not care for it. <laughs> I'm, aware, I'm well aware that Star Trek is a thing. I know that it's out there. I know that a lot of people feel very warmly about it. And when I say that I've never seen any Star Trek, I have had some exposure to it, partly through osmosis. Mm. In, you know, I am a thinking, breathing adult that moves through the world and absorbs culture. That's a thing we found. Yeah. yeah. But also, I have listened to your podcast, right? Ah. So all that I know, I know through the filter of you three. Okay, well, that works for our show. What kind of twisted prism that that, that casts? (laughs) So as far as I can tell, there's a bunch of people that are on some sort of spacecraft and they go to a planet for some reason. I didn't even pick up there was a distress signal. Uh, There's always a distress signal. (laughs) One of them's got the pointy ears, one of them that can't act, and then from there everything kind of unfolds. Who is it who can't act? The other one, the one that's in charge. What are you Shat Daddy. Shat Daddy. Oh, no. yeah. We've had this debate before. He'll wheel out judgment at Nuremberg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it will be a judgment. Yeah, yeah. Now, so my my initial stance on it was I was super excited to be on the podcast. I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch the first one, download it onto my iPhone. <laughs> Excitement diminishes. <laughs> the very first note I have is how is this going to be 50 minutes long? (laughs) I was saying to Liam, I I genuinely thought it was going to be like a 22-minute sort of Friends episode, like ad breaks thing. I was like, oh, I'm on my my lunch break. I could probably bosh through a couple of episodes of Star Trek. Yeah, but ad breaks weren't very long in the 60s, were they, clearly? How is it this long? (laughs) How is it that long? And so little happens. I don't understand. And it's because when you look it back, everybody talks like this. Like, Liam, would you like a sandwich? What was that? I said, would you like a sandwich? (laughs) My goodness, what a strange question to ask me now. I don't know. Do I want a sandwich? Well, possibly. Yes, okay, I suppose. Well, you can't have a sandwich yet. When can I have the sandwich? In a minute. So you're saying it's break. A little bit of, like, you know, stretching it out a bit, yeah. It's it's not a lot of plot in this one uh, for Star Trek because we yeah, uh, we'll kind of talk about the animated series where it's like a, yeah. too much plot for twenty minutes. We'll move on to get it all and, mixed up. Uh, yeah, this is not enough plot for fifty. I mean, um, this is definitely a very slow paced one where the better episodes. You think how was that fifty minutes? There are better episodes. <laughs> just so you know, like uh, there are twelve of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is kindergarten Kirk, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. post a guard on the children. They had to be kept under constant watch. McCoy didn't seem that pissed off that he was asked to take the children up, which it sounds to he like, like the worst assignment to give him. Would be like, yeah, yeah, because like, yeah. I, I don't really understand yeah, I'm not, I'm what McCoy. What is his character like? I couldn't work out what his dynamic was. There was mm. just this third bloke there. He's like yeah. the guy who's walked onto the set and is just pissed off. He's a curmudgeon. He's a com- yes, exactly right. Yeah, because because that that's interesting for me as a first timer because obviously I know who William Shatner is. I think I maybe wasn't certain if he was Kirk or Picard until they started saying oh, the names, wow. but like I knew he was. William Shatner and, and then obviously I know who Spock is but there was this third bloke and you guys know him really really well but for whatever reason I don't think he's like absorbed outside of the bubble he's not broken through and he's less of an icon like yes, I, I watched that episode so I wouldn't be able to pick him out of the lineup now and nothing says that clearer than like when uh, Star Trek like the original movies were released on like Blu-ray they had like a, the Star Trek first 
JJ film, Ray Abrams film, had come out, and the sticker on the box was, oh, The Adventures of Kirk and Spock. Like, so basically, it's the names you know from the new film. Mm. Like, we're not going to mention anybody else. It's, it's, if you liked that, then buy this kind of thing. Which right. is interesting, because <laughs> it is very much a trio-led show. As, as we found, so, yeah, it is yeah. the dynamics between those three and the different pairings and the three of them. So it is strange that he's kind of been left out of the loop. But then I guess he was like one of the oldest actors. Even by the movies, he's like old man. And then he's, yeah. he's the first actor to die, I believe. And like, so he doesn't yeah. crop up as much. But it's, it's strange how essentially he is. And... What's his face? Um, Carl Urban in the new film mm. does really like nail him down. So his legacy is preserved, but it's like, who are you? What's your legacy? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I agree. It's, it's funny because I, I think we've got so used because we started with the movies. And mm. uh, I was the same at the start. I was like, who is this Bones guy? He's got bones. <laughs> <laughs> but those those first six movies, are, there's real emphasis on that trio of characters, yeah. um, and then being this trifactor, but. I think you know you're right. It's Kirk and Spock is what the pub wider public think of when they think of Star Trek. Um, but yeah, kind of moving along into uh, this episode, I-, I know what you mean in regards to these kind of very slow scenes. I mean, the scene where they're kind of ordering ice cream. The ice cream scene! What is the deal with this 15-minute I mean, ice cream scene? I mean, the thing is, is she turns around to the kid and says, oh, look, we've got some coconut and vanilla ice cream for you. The kid looks at it as if to say, I'm disgusted by this lack of diversity in my ice cream. Um, demands chocolate wobble. I want to know what a chocolate wobble is. Pistachio and peach. Have you not had wobble favour? <laughs> when he says, Peach, Nurse Chapel looks at him like, holy shit, what? He's ordering fucking Peach! This kid is evil personified! <laughs> it's crazy. It's, uh, it's, it was a really strange scene. I just want to re- rewind quickly just to say, like, the red shirts like go to a planet where a lot of people die, but they don't die. They just get to dig space graves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, over, over the title, you come back, it's like, there's, like, what, seven or eight, like, fully dug graves? I assume they're six foot deep, or they do them their phases. <laughs> It's just like yeah. shallow graves for and all. They, oh, I wonder what the UFP flag was, but it's United Federation of Planets. They had this little kind of like little little marker to everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. kids on, don't the kids run off of it? Or yeah, something? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's just respectful. Uh, and Kirk is disgusted with these kids from the off, isn't he? Like he, he hates them. Well, this is the complication, right? As Matt pointed out from the title, it's obvious to the audience that the kids are going to be evil, right? Mm. Everyone's dead, but the kids. The kids don't give a shit. Yeah. It's a show they've got fifty minutes to somehow fill in amongst all of the ice cream chat better cut some of the drama to make room for more of that it's obvious like we know and we're even shown early on the kids are evil because we see them talking to their alien overlord there's this guy in like that a green quickly yeah rock. gorgon gorgon is that his name yeah, yeah, yeah. and he wants the kids to like hypnotize our our boys on the crew uh and then we find that out early on and then for the rest of the show we've got the cast going, what's going on? I don't understand what's going on. And I was just screaming. Like, we know. Why do you not know? This is not... (laughs) But it's it's, it's script writing. That's not a mystery, right? No, and it's also, if you've watched two seasons of this already, there's plenty of alien beings that click their fingers and possess people or make them do shit. Like, this should not be a... You know, this is like, oh, it's one of those days. Uh, (laughs) It's just one of those days! And and, and I mean, it's not helped by the fact... Omnipotent beings, again! (laughs) It's not helped by the fact that with the ice cream, they just keep repeating this... The amount of scenes that it's like a kid doing his weird fist oh, oh the, yeah. wa- like, the evil yeah, wanker yeah, yeah, yeah. sign and then yeah, yeah. you do someone the wanker like listeners can't see but like and we're then doing somebody starts doing or seeing something then it's like 
Next kid. Next crew member. Do you think it's maybe like evil rock, paper, scissors? Or something? <laughs> yeah, but I, I felt very unfulfilled by that because there was no winner. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I've got a bit of trivia for that, actually. Um, the actor. Oh, yeah. No, 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 about oh, the powers. Oh. Um, it says, originally the children were supposed to enchant the crew by ch- doing a little chant along with the fist thing. Um, We're doing so many wankings. Just wankings. Halloween. But the the chants were dropped, and so in the final episode, the children just do the fist thing, and the chant is only used when they summon Gorgon. So it was going to be a whole thing, but I guess I would have added even more bloody time. I have to do a chant for every person they betwixt. (laughs) Um, I presume you're going to mention the thing about the act who played Gorgon. Indeed, yes. You go ahead. So, you know. I don't know if anybody's seen David Fincher's 2007 film Zodiac. Yeah. Yes. So there's a scene in that where uh, a prominent San Franciscan lawyer by the name of Melvin Belli is the only person the Zodiac killer will speak to. And he's driven to the TV station late at night to go on air and, uh, and speak to the Zodiac. And while they're off air, like he mentions, oh, you know, I've done a bit of acting recently. I was in this Star Trek show. And, um, you know, th- this is the episode he's guest starring in. That is actually a lawyer, Melvin Valley, playing Gorgon. Uh, might, might explain a few of the choices. Uh, but, you know, it's it's just a bit of trivia. Played by Brian Cox in Zodiac, which is really cool. Like, I mean, if only Brian Cox is in this. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, actually, I can I just say about Brian Cox. Like, there's one thing. There's <laughs> of all, the, all the actors in the world that, you know, you kind of want to meet. Yeah. I'd be the most shit scared to meet Brian Cox. What from? Just anything. No, just him. No, yeah. him. Yeah. Just, just him. He seems like the guy who would make you feel like you weren't very smart just by... He, he just seems a little bit smug in his like, intellect. Well, you know, especially he does do that astronomy show, so... <laughs> <laughs> He's very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's just a little thing. I, I, I know it's not really the same Brian Cox guys that does this. <laughs> just you, checking listeners like, definitely. Do you not tweet us? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we've got Gorgon, who's this kind of ghost pedo uh, appearing to the kids. <laughs> Universe will be mine to command, yours to play in. Don't know what he's alluding to there. Watch out, kids. Uh, meanwhile, poor Sulu is seeing knives on the screen. <laughs> I have a question about this. Right, so Sulu, I infer, yes, is like has a the of pilot <laughs> of the ship, right? Sorry. And he's kind of having trouble steering the ship because there's these space knives that they do the wanker sign at him. Like, <laughs> and then these space knives are flying at him and he's too terrified to move the ship. Well, they're not really flying at him, though, are they? They're just, just kind of floating there, around in yeah, front of quite him. Organized. Like, why, is this, why is this scary? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't understand. Does but... he literally pilot the ship by looking out of the window? <laughs> no. But that, but that's clearly the, how it's working. Yes, yeah, yeah. he's like look, they're like we haven't left the planet yet, mate. No. And he, he looks out and he's like, yeah, no, we're fine. We're <laughs> it was basically a really stripped down version of the Stargate sequence from uh, two thousand one, wasn't it? Just like <laughs> God, yeah, repeating, yeah, yeah. repeating geometric patterns again and again and completely being blown away by it. Oh, I forgot to film that thing. Uh, oh, better go in the kitchen and just cobble something together. Knives. <laughs> <laughs> but you are right that it takes them such a long time to work it out like it almost seems like they never work out no. really in terms of because Gorgon actually turns up on the bridge at the end doesn't he and that seems to be the thing that makes them finally go oh right okay oh, yeah. because well, there's a bit where Kirk is kind of ordering some guy and well, he's talking it, gibberish at him yeah he? yeah and he's but being made sweet gibberish but he at that point you <laughs> think he's going like man why aren't you obeying me like and, and it's like Mate, you yeah. know and then something weird. And then he walks back like, onto yeah. the bridge and just like takes a casual look around, has a seat amongst all these kids doing this, and like <laughs> the bridge look around. Also isn't possessed and doesn't react. It's like 
Well, you would have a little bit more of him kind of looking over his shoulder, like, it's like what, what, what's going on? There was, like, there was nothing yeah. to Our that. Our captain so. is speaking backwards. Maybe it's these witch kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if someone was talking, because this is the thing, the kids do the wanker sign and it makes it sound like, like Shatner is speaking backwards. And the guy just doesn't respond. You know, mate, I can't understand you, pal. <laughs> yeah. Can I say that again? Like, you're talking <laughs> yeah. weirdly? I can't he talk back to my cat like he's frozen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't he's even like, say pardon. They, like, they didn't want to pay that actor to have lines. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. clearly. Well, we get residual, don't you, this being <laughs> And clearly, that, you know, they were just holding on to every penny here. Um, I was um, I'm thinking like as well I just want to mention Gorgon's transformation towards the end where he like you know starts <laughs> oh adding God. another layer of terrible look makeup. how ugly he really is I know well it's the wig from Smithies at the end like uh, <laughs> he's, it's like a five year old's Halloween costume done by the mum it's just stuff like stuck on his face just like oh add a bit more I think, I think that's more. doing mums a disservice <laughs> but also the thing that pissed me off about this is this kind of stuff seems so against what Star Trek is about because it just seems to be like oh that's the thing that tips the kids off and just go, oh yeah, look, really, he's fucking ugly, fucking disfigured guy, yeah, get out. I am sad about my parents now. No, it's just that thing of going like, right, so that's that's what this is meant to teach the kids that like, oh, don't trust disfigured people, kids. Like, yeah. I had a question about that as well because there's something strange with the lady character. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, where you know, there's like the Suhu, the pilot guy, Sulu, sorry, Sulu um, is. Uh, uh, he's trapped in the space knives he's like I can't move forward I'm trapped in space knives and then like Shatner is like he can't communicate with anyone because he's talking backwards when the kids do the wanker sign at her and she's like trying to get to the console to like save everybody she just gets stuck in front of a mirror because she looks at her reflection and is ugly and cannot move forward because she's just so completely devastated by the yeah, fact well, that she doesn't old, look as beautiful she? as she normally would <laughs> Attack the That's a woman, shit, That's all they care about. Right. That's not how they would normally do it, right, though. Is They normally write her better than that, I assume? Well, no. Uh, no. 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 Not uh, until about the fifth or sixth film. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. I mean, it's, 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 it's slim pickings yeah. for, the, for everybody other than outside the main three. Yeah. Um, you know, that she got an awful lot of screen time in this episode. It's strange that they're almost like recurring extras who, mm. by being next to the main cast and being involved have characters superimposed on them just through longevity it's like yeah. they're enough and then suddenly they're these it's iconic not characters not to bring it up so. again but like Gunther from Friends right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he yeah, started yeah. as just a bloke in the background look at him now yeah. but um, that's the thing it's, it's a gradual development so it's it's that weird thing of when you're looking at a show that was actually progressive for its day but now, obviously, you look at it and go, well, fuck's going on? Context <laughs> matters, man. If you try and watch Police Academy 1 now, you won't get to the end of it. <laughs> well, I've forced Matt to the end of it when I made him watch it. <laughs> so, so I think we can sum up this one, really, and just like, why does it not work as a regular episode? Because it doesn't... It takes too long to do very little. It doesn't really follow the, its yeah. own logic of, like, what the show's been doing. Yeah. Um, everyone's kind of relegated to being idiots yeah. when re- normally yeah. they're pretty... Sharpish on this stuff. Yeah. Repeat scenes. Uh, the kid never work with children. No. Like, uh, I mean, the kid actors in this are pretty atrocious. And the bit where they cry, and it's so obviously faked. In the same, I mean, well, they, you wanted they, real tears. Yeah, I, I did, I did, I did. <laughs> I don't you think know. it gets above 60s producers to resort to those kind of tactics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Bones, when he comes in, he's so happy to see those kids crying. They're crying, Jeff. I don't know how it happened, but it's good to see. 
He's got such a look of glee on his face. He fucking loves making kids. And they're like, oh, because it means they're like out of the curse. Like, what curse? Should have just burned a forest to slap them about a bit. Like, get some road tears in. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, it's it's already exiting my memory at warp speed. Is McCoy even like possessed in this at all? Like, is he just in his like laboratory the whole time? So really, he doesn't even know when anything's happened. Like, yeah, just crying kids. Brilliant. Very out of it this episode, doesn't he? Because Scotty has the tussle with some possessed people. Doesn't he? Yeah, but like, let's yeah. say yeah. one bit that's over too soon is uh, seeing Scotty get into a fight. It's like always good fun. Yeah, you know? there's a good episode where he um, like uh, a Klingon in a bar insults the Enterprise and calls it like a, a flying piece of shit, basically. <laughs> and he's like, "You yeah, don't talk about like my beauty like that." And Swagger just gives him a quiet <laughs> and they have this massive barbell which probably goes on for about five minutes. It's, it's a bit. What would you compare it to? Like, I, I haven't <laughs> seen this episode yet, but oh. I want to. But I know what you're talking about because yeah. it's in that pretend Tarantino yeah. Star Trek trailer that yes. uh, yeah. it's a proper saloon like dust up yeah. oh, it's, in, it's in the trouble of tribble so you'll definitely amazing. see that episode amazing. I, so you know this is lowest ranked but like most some people might consider other episodes as the worst one of Star Trek Do you, you, you've watched have you watched all of the original series now? I'm this was very actually, close I'm working my way through it and this was actually the next one to watch so okay. I'm into season 3 lucky me and um, it's you know, I just passed Box Brain, which is generally considered like the one that people drop as kind of like the worst one. Yeah. So it was quite surprising it wasn't this for this. But I gotta say there are some redeeming features of Box Brain. Um, okay. It's like it is actually a more of an interesting kind of set up definitely a premise I mean it's ridiculous at times because Spock is just like a brainless automaton who like McCoy controls with like a radio control uh, to get him to walk around places uh, and it's like a society of women underground who have like progressed without men but they don't know how any of the technology works and there's actually a line <laughs> where Scotty goes those women couldn't have made those machines and it's basically because they're well because they are not in the, actually in the context of the episode like not technically proficient they've actually shown they're not don't know about it but the way you hear it it's just like just women couldn't possibly make machines <laughs> work anyway so it, there's bits that are like terribly dated even for Star Trek um, so so would you say Spock's brain better better, better, better. than this okay. yeah. so would you not say this much. is the worst one you've seen so um, far this do you like, agree is probably the worst yeah and, and there's one that, another one of season one that comes up close um, with this um, it's called the Lazarus effect or something like that like, okay. I think uh, I've seen that one yeah it's so like with far. lots of trippy sort of spinny transitions like wherever they kind of go across like parallel universes like there's this terrible 60s kind of spinny like um uh, yeah, a little bit like that, but actually the screen turns round and, and people kind of float in space. Right. Basically, I felt physically sick watching <laughs> it. Um, it. You know how sometimes on uh, How Does This Get Made, they talk about actually people feeling ill um, mm, yeah. watching like some terrible films. Like, it's just like, it makes me sick how bad this is. <laughs> that episode kind of made me ill. Well, so um, that's a real contender for, yeah, uh, for the, the worst. One. Well, and it was literally by some measure the worst one of season one which is generally pretty good yeah season yeah. one is top notch but I'd say Walter Koenig uh, agrees with you he considered this to be the worst episode of the series and at the is he in it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it? hang on a minute and at the 50th anniversary Trek convention in Vegas two years ago fans voted this the seventh worst of the Star Trek franchise as a whole so well, it's definitely up there well Leonard Nimoy Down also <laughs> in um, hell <laughs> Leonard Nimoy also complained about the script at the time uh, to the producers, uh, not Roddenberry, another producer, but apparently uh, the producer Fred 
Friedberger uh, turned around and said, oh, no, no, Leonard, you're wrong. It's going to be a better version of Miri, which is in season one, which I haven't seen, but is a similar evil kids yeah. scenario. But, no, Miri, like, whilst not great at all, is better than this by some way. Well, there like, you yeah. go. So he was yeah. wrong. So why didn't they just learn to stay away from evil kids for plot lines at the end of the day? <laughs> Todd, so what were your final thoughts on your first episode in. <laughs> was it your final frontier? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I, it, was, it was a shock to finally be confronted with this thing that I'd heard so much about. I had high hopes uh, and it did not deliver. And my main thought was, fuck, there's four more to watch. Are they all going to be like this? And just to keep the listeners on the edge of their seat, there is one episode that I quite liked. Oh, exciting! That, like, like uh, yeah, yeah, thank God. Because the thing is, it's it's that thing. Of, I knew you'd be the perfect guest for this episode, but at the same time, you didn't you, want to crush. His once you told me, oh, actually, I'd never seen any such. I was like, oh no, I'm kind of like tarnishing this entire franchise. I actually said to you, I have to send you like a list of a few epi- really good episodes to watch afterwards. I don't want to break it to you, man. I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> like, I've made it this far. It's just, I'm not I, I'm not going to be able to. I've, that's what your podcast is it's, for, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could just, you could listen through our podcast. It's a bit like, Matt, you listen to uh, Bygones, yes. uh, which is an Ali Mobile podcast never made by it. friends of the show, <laughs> uh, Eleanor and Laura Jane Parker, and you've never watched Ali Mobile, but you live vicariously through them yeah I, I to need show. not to now there you go yeah. that's, that's what you need so I think what we should do with all of these given that they've got an actual rating out of 10 on IMDB is saying based on that rating whether we think this is overrated or underrated um, whether it deserves its reputation so this has got a 5.2 out of 10 do we, would we go higher or lower if we were rating well I'd say it's about, it's about half isn't it that is about the 5.2 out of 10, brothers, yeah. Yes, it's about half. <laughs> uh, and I haven't seen all, all the original series yet, but every one I've seen so far has been pretty great. So mm. if the worst one gets to like this 5 is the out worst of 10, one I've seen. then I'd say that's probably right. Oh. But well, I would say just on the basis of it, it's like, this is like a 1. Like, this is... <sighs> wow, okay, this so overrated. Mm. Um, Todd? I mean, I don't really feel like I should get a vote, right? Because it's at this point in my experience, this is literally the only bit of Star Trek I've seen. I think you could just base it just in general on television terms, television drama terms. It was pretty bad, baby. Uh, I would give it like a two would not watch again. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'd give this about a 3.1 maybe. I think at this point, because I really like the original series, I think... at this moment in time, it's probably my favourite of the ones oh, kind of, you know we're watching. Probably mine too now. Um, and it, that's what was so disappointing about this is that mm. usually, even on a kind of bad day, the the kind of tr- the trio, the main characters, yeah. they just they have so much charm and, and work so well together that you know they will carry you through kind of like a dull episode. Yeah. But this one was like really testing my patience. That's, that's what yeah. I meant. Like I, I went, I wasn't saying. I'd give it 5 out of 10 I'd obviously give it lower but I'm saying its status <laughs> as the bottom at about that on average makes sense because right. of the quality and the charm yes. of the rest because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was saying even a, a terrible bad episode of the original series still has its charms even as like a thing of in, like intrigue of like you know mm. how it was mm. so yeah no I think I, I think, think that's yeah, I think fair. all the best moments are in the pre-titles like you know it was just like yeah as you yeah, said turning out there of all the dead people I thought oh this is quite good even though it looked a bit ropey it was still kind of like I can get I can get down with the kitsch 
Obviously. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it didn't deliver on and, that. Either. And some red shirts get beamed directly into space to their deaths, which is kind of dark. Yeah, but I kind of wanted to see them out there. I want them bouncing off the windshield. Like, yeah. uh, I should say, Edward J. Lasko, who wrote this episode, uh, this was the only episode of Star Trek he ever wrote. Uh, he so, stopped before he could. Yeah, rightfully not hired back. Although, amazingly so, he wrote for tons of really classic kind of American TV shows Perry Mason, Rawhide. Did he do uh, the worst Impossible. episode of all of those as well? Uh, quite possibly, <laughs> quite possibly. Um, so, you know, that's it, it's weird that he went on to write for all these other shows uh, that were really kind of like famous and actually had quite a good career in TV. What a calling card. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, we should move on to the next episode we're going to discuss, which is from Star Trek The Animated Series. This is The Magics of Megas 2 um, from the first season of The Animated Series. This gets a 6 out of 10. Mm on IMDb so the the worst ranked episode of the animated series is mm. higher I up. mean less to choose from right it's the Resume. smallest there run really, yeah, it's the smallest run there's only around something like 30 odd episodes uh, of animated series and the overall. highest rate runs 6.1 isn't it so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was written by Larry Brody uh, and directed by Hal Sutherland um, what did we think of this and well, have you got a, first of all have you got plot? Uh, yeah, uh, so Matt. this episode, yes. while exploring the center, <laughs> while exploring the center of the galaxy, the crew of the Enterprise are transported to the planet Megas Two by an alien named Lucian. Guess who he might be? Uh, where magic and witchcraft are normal. Kirk and the crew are placed on trial by the inhabitants in response to the Salem witch trials. That's a bit of a jump there. Makes no sense when you read it like that, but it's a lot of bonkers shit. There's a lot going on here, isn't there? There is a lot going on here. Um, The first thing I thought was one of the first things Kirk says at the beginning. And this is something I found we ran into a lot when we were talking about the animated series on the episode that focused on it. Um, He says... It's an awesome thought that we may actually witness matter being created. I'm like, right, so kids, I'm like, fucking hell, we're in for a fun 20 minutes here. <laughs> this sounds fucking great. I, I, matter? Always, it, it weirds me out always how the animated series seems often to be still pitched yeah. at that kind of adult level rather than yeah. going, more so, oh, this they is a kid's show more. now. Yeah, I yeah. had a question about that because... Please don't get angry with me. I thought Star Trek, the original series, was a kid's show. So I was then really... Right. Conf- and it seems like one. And I was really <laughs> confused. <laughs> well, no, but it's shit, is what I mean. <laughs> At least the episode that I saw. So then when there was an animated series with basically the same cast doing the voices, my first note was, why does this exist? Why is this not... Right. Why right, is this right. just not part of the main series? Why do you need a separate version of it? Cheaper to produce would be the... Would it, could it possibly be cheaper? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, this is filmation... Um, uh, Basically, if you've seen this episode, you've seen about 70% of every episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a filmation were a kind of cartoon uh, production house in the 70s and 60s that made these kind of cut and paste animations where there's there's shots in this that will turn up in every single episode right. of it's the makes, animated series. This makes series. Yellow Submarine look like Snow White. <laughs> yeah, 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 completely. So, Basically, I mean, did you spot Spock looking in his thing and turning to talk? That's all the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, this this was in the early 70s so 73 74 I think 
Um, the actual show was on 66 to... 69, yeah. 69. And so it was a break because it was cancelled and then this came back. So this would have been a far cheaper uh, kind of alternative and yeah, it would have been on, you know, kids TV and a completely different kind of thing. But yeah, it I remember seeing it on Live and Kicking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually did. Really? Yeah, this was shown on Live and Kicking. Was it? Me. It felt a bit like that episode of... Um, uh, you know, uh, Krusty, so where he had to get, get the <laughs> worker so, of parasite. Welcome back to the Soviet cartoon. What the hell was that? What the hell was that? Cuts to like Adam and Deck just being like, the yeah. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. <laughs> so, that, so that, uh, Andy the, Peters smoking a cigarette. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this must have been weird for you, Todd, kind of coming into this, going going from the original series. Well, going from that weirdness like, to this weirdness. What the fuck is this going on? Like, yeah. It seemed much more like I assumed Star Trek would be, to be honest. Short episode, 20 odd minutes. Yeah, yeah. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sweet spot for me, baby. Um, so, I enjoyed that. The script I didn't hate. Like, if the first script had been 20-odd minutes, that would have been palatable, mm. right? Might not have been good still, but it would have been <laughs> less painful. This was fine. And as you guys have said, there's a bit to cram in. There's, like, some alien mate says his name's Lucian. Turns out he's Lucifer himself, but he's a good guy. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. And then they all have to get all sympathetic for the devil and yeah. save him from being, like, stoned by a bunch of... <laughs> Uh, witch stoned. finders yeah it's like still not a great deal actually happens in it they meet a guy think he might be good turns out he is they save him <laughs> off he goes that's it but uh, don't judge a book by its cover you know just because yeah. he's called Lucifer basically doesn't mean he's a bad guy I, I mean this episode is positively psychedelic isn't it and yeah. I must say it is one of the once it got going uh, it's one of the episodes that really takes advantage of it being animation uh, mm -hmm. now because you know the they're doing so much crazy stuff. You, you can't imagine them producing this as an episode of the actual original yeah. series in particular. And it starts with such a great Star Trek concept of like finding the center of the universe and seeing what happens there. There's a lovely That's, fireworks yeah. display there. <laughs> well, I'm just I hate this kind of thing where they uh, <laughs> they do the the whole kind of massive like discovery, which should be like a whole. It should be a two part. Like the, the center of the universe episode should be something really special. Mm. Um, and it's done so flippantly. It's like this is the center of the universe, and this is what's there. It just feels so such a waste of like you know great potential. Um, so I you know I thought that was just and, and it's a feature of another episode coming up as well, like where it kind of it does a similar thing, where you know it's a big kind of breaking the kind of like rules of Trek almost, and but treating it in such a flippant way really bad. Um, you know, and I also kind of reminded of a thing I learned at film school, um, which was. You know, don't waste your money on film school. If I learn two <laughs> things at film school, it's show, don't tell. Yeah. And this one does, a, you know, an awful lot of backstory, um, you know, where it just has a shot of a planet and somebody talks over it for probably 20 seconds. And I was like, you could not, not even like a little kind of stills, like mm -hmm. black and white stills of something, you know, that you can move around and talk. It's so crap. <laughs> There's some more weird stuff about women on that bit as well, because they're showing that it's like a paradise planet because everyone can do anything they want. Yeah. And so they show like men building big castles and doing all of this stuff. Yeah. What do they show the women? Oh, all of the women are as beautiful as they want to be. Yeah. So in well, order... as we want them to be. And essentially, like, this is like some kind of like 
twisted, like, um, you know, what's the kind of those universes people build? You know, Minecraft. Yeah. Or something like that. It <laughs> yeah. feels like somebody's got, like, keep people captive in their Minecraft yeah, yeah. world and they're going to just get them to, yeah, basically, it's a sex palace. Well, yeah, well, doesn't Sulu <laughs> basically conjure his own sex slaves? Yeah, it's like, he does, oh, I have yeah. powers, what should I make? Who then turns out to be Lucian, kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. which uh, is quite certain right, really. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's. As soon as magic enters sci fi, I always think oh, we're verging onto dodgy territory here, really. You know what I mean? It's like, if something's sci, sci fantasy, yeah. then it's a kind of different thing. But Star Trek although, is always trying to be hard sci fi. Although, to take a series like Star Trek that does tackle science, 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 fact, fact, logic, logic, and say science versus magic. For, for an episode, maybe, especially in this yeah. series, yeah, 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 it could be, well, it could be good. Yeah, no, completely <laughs> true. Um, the Enterprise splits in half uh, years before Next Generation, but not in a kind of good way. <laughs> um, so, and yeah, I mean, this episode moves around a lot, doesn't it? Because we've got the weird kind of planet that you were talking about with the kind of, there's a weird almost like an advert for a sorcerer at one point kind of thing where it's kind of like that, that's what it appeared to be to me where it's kind of got like oh he could do this and that like, kind of thing, like yeah <laughs> it's advertising his wares kind of thing I, I don't think it was uh, I think it was actually probably better than some of the uh, animated series episodes we watched like to sort of introduce ourselves to the show like yeah I, I agree yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. you know I just I don't think there's much in these Episodes, the three I've seen, they're all much of a muchness, I think. You know, big high concept, bit ropey mm-hmm. around the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think that it's possible that this show may have been unfairly rated down because of the religious content? Uh, well, it's interesting you say that. Just a bit of trivia original pitch Lucian was meant to be God, mm. not the devil. That pitch was rejected. And I think, to be honest, would have made more sense because it seems like they haven't changed the script because the whole thing of the devil being a good guy seems all a bit random. <laughs> I'm like, oh, if he was meant to be God, then that makes more sense. And like, you know, um, but for me, it's almost weird that they rejected the God idea and then said, yeah, we can let you do the Satan is a good guy idea. <laughs> As opposed on, to God is a good on guy. Kid, <laughs> on kids' TV. That seems weird that they'd be okay with that. Yeah. yeah, like you know, but you think that this episode is marked out as the worst because of the religious nutjobs. Well, no, I was, and I wouldn't say nutjobs either, but I just I wasn't oh, sure if yeah. some people might. <laughs> There's never been a documented case of people voting something down deliberately. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, so, so far the internet police always managed to you know. stop them. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if there might be a few sort of zero out of tens there for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So someone there'll just, be three more after this. Someone just, <laughs> someone just personally going no. But I, I, think I, think, I think the change gave it a bit of a more interesting element because it's interesting that you have. Oh, Kirk, I agree with you. To have Kirk yeah. willing to stand up for the rights of the actual oh, devil it, best it, bit yeah like, yeah definitely when uh, but when, when he says you know oh Lucian you help them you're condemned to an eternal like prison and it's like that's a bit harsh you know five years of good behaviour <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Three. <laughs> I mean I like that as well the fact that Kurt turns around and just doesn't even give a shit that yeah. he's Lucifer he's just like he's an intelligent being that's all that matters yeah, basically yeah. and I think yeah that it's is like judging the, a person by their character yeah completely that's whether the they're the devil way, or not 100% yeah. that they would go because they in Star Trek certainly in terms of the Starfleet and the Federation they often seem to have moved beyond kind of basic religion mm-hmm. in terms of going kind of you know ignore all that um, you know they explore this in the final frontier the film as well yeah uh, a little bit and you know for him to just turn around and say who cares like you know who cares if he's the devil he seems like a good bloke to me 
and then they go and have a beer with him. So like, <laughs> it's fine, which I love. I love, I love them having beers with them. Favourite old earth custom of mine, Asmodeus, a toast to a new friendship. There's this kind of magic fight between Kirk and one of the kind of witch child guys who are actually some kind of weird sort of alien beings mm. and that's all very super friends that big magic fight there <laughs> and then it turns out that it was all a test anyway in regards to like a test for kind of to check that the human beings had kind of uh, gone beyond you know their old aggressive ways which seems to be a big thing that comes back in Trek a yeah, lot we had to check the records were accurate and hadn't been tampered. it was like it's tampered. there's a lot of information you have to kind of like it always seems the gods yeah. haven't yet updated things have gone like since like Stone Age or something like that. So, yeah. you know they've come further than that um, Info Wars <laughs> yeah yeah but why we did me out is it turned out it was all a trick and Lucifer was part of their gang anyway. So I was like, right, wait a minute. So you're putting the humans on trial because you think they're a violent species. However, Lucifer is one of your lot. So how fucking good can your standards be, mate? <laughs> if Lucifer's in the gang, like, yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. But they but... don't actually, you know, acknowledge he did anything bad at all because, you know, Essentially, calling Lucifer, we'd we're, assume, we're basically meant to assume that's a real thing. Then, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, you, uh, so you're saying that the whole episode is but they essentially allude, they don't allude to him being the Prince of Darkness or anything like that, do they? Yeah, they, they do. By the end, they they full on confirm that like he is definitely the devil. Right. By the okay. end of the episode, hundred percent. Like it's just that they still because Kirk. And his lot are kind of essentially non-believers. They're still kind of like, well, was he though, or was he just kind of yeah, some kind of thing? We don't really believe they that. They did this early on with, with Apollo in uh, one of the episodes where, right. yeah, which was a really good one. I liked that one. Um, but um, better than this? Oh yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. There's, oh, there's a, a, a lovely lady in it with a credible dress. You should you should definitely check it out. I'll get on Google Images right now. <laughs> um, but what I really like is at the end of the episode, there's this uh, wrap-up where they say about, oh, this was the second time Satan had been cast out, but Kirk got him let back in. And when it, I'm not sure if it's just the animation, but when it cuts back to Kirk, he looks... Like, he's had a revelation in his head and gone like, oh, shit, yeah, did I do that? <laughs> oh, no, I made a mistake. <laughs> Turn this junk around. What have I done? <laughs> so, uh, Todd, what were your thoughts on this? You were loving it? Uh, well, it was half as long as the previous one, so I'm going to give so it twice as much. Extra, extra yeah. Yeah, Four yeah. out of ten. <laughs> Four out of ten. So that is a step up. That is a four, ste I've it? seen films that I've rated a lot lower than four out of ten and still enjoyed. But this gets a six out of ten on IMDb, so you still think overrated. And what I should say is these ratings, I kind of think, considering they're for the worst episodes of all time, six out of ten actually sounds still mm. quite high. And I think a reason for that is kind of because you've got to remember the people who are going to be voting on individual episodes are going to be fans and therefore the majority of them I, I think you know everyone every episode of Star Trek is probably going to be someone's favourite yeah. even 
Shades of Grey, which we're going to talk about next. I mean, most um, of the like featured reviews, like the first review you can see on the IMDb page, is often highly rated as well. And it's yeah. someone going like, oh, it's not the worst, don't listen to them, I don't like it. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, one of our uh, frequent guests, Greg Locke, often seems to come on to champion uh, what is often considered, you know, some of the worst uh, Star Trek films, TV series. So, you know, that just... And he is a hardcore fan, so that just kind of goes to show you that that does happen. Um, Paul, do you think this is overrated or underrated based I, on that I one? think it's quite, yeah, it's quite close to where I put it. I think five, like, okay. this one. Because, it, yeah, it does have, like, it's interesting. It kept me entertained to this one. Yeah? Yeah. Matt? I think it probably sounds right for where they've got it, but you know, I'd put it a bit lower myself just because I don't know. The anime series doesn't always grab me as much, but I have only done about three or four. Okay. So out of those three or four, it's probably. Well, I'd agree with six out of ten. I enjoyed this uh, in a kind of mad way. <laughs> like you know, I think going straight into it after the original series episode, I think it just seemed instantly like a breath of fresh air just in terms of constantly moving yeah. so many mad ideas there's no there's no filler here no. this is kind of packed and it's doing what we always said the animated show should do which is do bonger stuff because yes. you're animated do yeah, anything yeah, yeah. you know exactly exactly um, so Larry Brody the writer of this episode uh, he actually returned to Star Trek decades later uh, to submit the story to Tattoo an episode of Voyager uh, so he was welcomed back with open arms decades later. <laughs> decades of purgatory uh, in between <laughs> this and then. Um, and Hal Sutherland, who directed the episode, directed almost every episode of the animated series. So yes, he was kind of old regular. Uh, our old friend Jordan Hoffman, uh, who we talked about in our Spooser Check episode, who wrote uh, his article for The Guardian that we oh, yeah. disagreed with about the Black Mirror USS uh-huh. Callister episode said this was one of the weirdest episodes of Star Trek ever made and for once we'd agree with Jordan yeah. about that uh, and I do notice looking online there's quite a few apologists yeah. for this episode calling it actually one of the best I'll tell you what episodes. I'll tell you what it feels like it feels like a lot of the comic stories we've been we've been reading some of the comics yeah, in prep yeah, for yeah. a future app, and it feels very much like Especially because animated and you know art drawn, it feels like it could fit into yeah. one of them. Yeah, they're not relying much on people's interaction. No. It's just plot, plot. You know, yeah, they're assuming that you kind of know these people already. You yeah. can imagine the contents. This made a really good comic book cover from that era, can't you? Yeah. With some speech bubbles on there, something crazy. You got Lucifer there, and I think I think I think that's kind of what it's suited for. So yeah, a, a step up, I would say. And now, to step right back down, we're going to move on to Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, and the episode uh, that is voted to be the worst of that is the season two finale, Shades of Grey. And I should clarify that not only is this the lowest ranked Next Generation episode, uh, it is the lowest ranked uh, episode of any Star Trek series full stop on the IMDb well, we're rating a 3.4 out of 10 at the 50th anniversary check convention I mentioned earlier it was voted the 5th worst ever well, I mean, so I'll need to know what's below it and there's other ones where they say because it's a clip show it doesn't really count because, right. so they would like they did Wish an alternate list yeah, of it counts, I mean exactly. it is kind of like yeah it is the worst but it's you know there are other ones that you know are completely yeah. new and should you know 
tonal deficits on so that. So, out of the clips of other episodes that you saw in there, Todd, any that might have jumped out yeah, you want to see? Oh, you wow, see a bit see that episode. This was so interesting for me because I'd never seen any of the next generation before, obviously. Were you so aware this was actually a clip show? Not at first. There was a bit where it kept cutting back and forth. So, like, long story short for the listeners, Guy, who I have no idea who he is, gets put in a coma and then has a bunch of, like, visions or memories and turns out they're clips from other shows. But at first I was like... Why in his fantasies does he not have a beard anymore? <laughs> yeah. I was just really yeah, confused. He's in control of that situation as well. Like, yeah. you know, if you wanted to be a clean shaven, he could do it. He could just make that dream come true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was pretty lost, not plot-wise even, but just, like, coming in from the cold man, this looks older and cheaper than even the original series does to me the sets the stilted mm-hmm. acting the like stalling for time the everybody being wooden as balls um, <laughs> they had no money anyway this has got up. Patty Stew in it right this it is... has got Patty Stew in it yeah. not long in no. this episode no, it's mostly Riker and the Doctor but it? when it, Patty Stew is on there oh boy I love him um, <laughs> but that was grounding for me because yeah I love Patty Stew I know who he is I was like yeah Yes, I can fixate on him. That's really good. And then uh, I where, think, where, where were you going? Where were you going? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and then Whoopi Goldberg turned up, and I was like, okay, cool, great. Whoopi Goldberg's here. Yeah, I, I love her. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh wait, she's just in like a really weird date scene, like having been on some weird date with someone with a disappearing beard. I don't understand what's going on. Um, then I figured out it was a clip show. That was fine. Dunno. There was some clip where he's just standing in a room. Someone walks in and he says, "How long is this foot washing going to take?" And that's the end of the scene. So it's fine. Like there's some sort of foot washing episode. I mean, that's it. There's a guy with a Cornish pasty on his head. Um, there's an old man roundhouse kicking someone in the head really hard. Oh, that's Star Trek, baby. And there's just another little clip where someone's head explodes, but the skin on the front oh, of their yeah. face explodes before the skin on the sides of their face. I thought you'd like the head explode. Oh, yeah, mate, yeah, you know yeah. me well. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was it. That was I mean, conspiracy episode, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that so called seen, conspiracy yeah. from the first season, which was actually banned on UK TV at the time. Because of head exploding. Because of head exploding, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that is one I've seen it when I saw that. I was like, holy shit, that's violent for like... Not yeah, track, but network TV yeah, 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 completely. So I personally, I'm going to skip straight to the to my own personal <laughs> score. I can't rate it. I cannot give it a score because it's not fair. It's clearly yeah, we, not we an episode. It's yeah. a clip show. It was made during the writers' strike. The internet told me. <sighs> I can't rate it. It's not fair. It's not fair to the season. Wow. What I can do is I can give you my impressions of the next generation as a season. <laughs> it looks a bit ropey, yeah. uh, but I love Paddy Stew. Um, that's kind of all I've got to say. I mean, is the dialogue always that like stilted and terrible? I would say in the early seasons, yeah. yes. And this is coming at the end of season two, which kind of marks the end of the really bad two seasons. It picks up yeah. after this. Right. Three onwards, it kind of does pick up. The stories get better. The, you know, they, they really let loose with some of the... Um, you know, the relationships actually get to grow a bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a big thing we talked about where they didn't allow the personal kind of like, you know... Um, conflict. Conflict between the kind of crew members. Everything's so idealised. So there really wasn't much to draw on. Just kind of weird events like foot washing. And, <laughs> and what a difference a year makes. I mean, this is a season finale. Skip forward one more season and you've got one of the best episodes ever. Best of both worlds, right? Part one. I mean, because yeah. like, my first note is this is a season finale. Like, do they know that you <laughs> yeah, can do good stuff for this? The season, but I mean, even even with the clip show thing, the wraparound story could still have been cool. But it just like 
starts exactly with just Riker getting a stupid leg injury on Dagobah, well, and it's like, what? I <laughs> assumed that was, a, like, a previously on. Yeah, it's right. so jarring, isn't it? Right, right, Yeah, right. I didn't realise that that was the actual the real start open. of the episode. Yeah. And I don't want to come across as negative. I realise I've just said, oh, this looks shit. <laughs> but, like, you got to understand, this is the only Star Trek I've seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I sure, think it's I'm sure it's a good show, and I know it's a good show. Yeah. I just can't, yeah. I can't see it through the fog of... Like, and the characters yeah. are acting strange, like, isn't, like, they're a bit where Picard's like, you know, gently humouring the doctor on how she's going and, you know, what can I do? And she's like, get out of my hair. Well, I think, I think that's how... <laughs> I know she's th- joking about, but I was like, oh, what a anyway. bitch. What's yeah. her name? Pulaski? Pulaski, yeah. So this is this marks the last appearance of that doctor. I, I thought I didn't God. She was just a replacement for one season because Gates McFadden left the show, played Beverly Crusher, and so... Uh, you know, it was the one good thing about this episode is that it marks the end of that like bad decision. <sighs> you know, I haven't liked anything I've seen of her character. Oh, it's, it's, she's doesn't she's not serve well with this yeah. at all. She's they're an attempt at kind of a quasi bones situation, which is a bit of a grump. Oh yeah, and mm. but it doesn't play very well at all. And uh, yeah, it's just terrible. It's just it's not mm. a joy to watch at all. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you actually mentioned to me, Todd, um, when you first started watching these episodes you said oh I thought they were going to be half an hour like friends and it was, it was funny to me that you made that comparison knowing we were going to watch this episode because a hallmark of friends is that they have a clip show every season that's do the Simpsons right the Simpsons have quite a lot of clip shows yeah 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 but it's that thing of going I, I think the thing to go that some fans say like, oh it doesn't count because it's a clip show kind of thing I think that's a cop out man I think it's like no sorry it's an artistic scene mm. you made to have a clip show kind of thing you've, yeah. got, you've got to live with it yes I know it was made as a money saving well, exercise yeah they could have done a bottle episode it was the writer's strike well apparently it was a mix of the writer's strike and the fact that they've blown all, all of the, the budget yeah. for season 2 and they actually said like the producers afterwards said yeah actually you know what we may say we just shouldn't have made another episode we should have just said the penultimate <laughs> was, the, was the last one yeah. because that's the thing like this the guest star is Colmini like in that transport room there. Yeah. the only kind of like walk on that performance I'm yeah. the main people who contracted the show so completely and it's that thing of going in a weird way actually a, kind of a clip show sort of I, I know you were saying oh this is the finale but actually you can imagine a clip show sort of working just as like a some, here's a bonus yeah, yeah summation of the season a sort of reflective kind of way yeah. um, but you know this the clips they choose in this episode seem so random they don't actually seem mm. to be connected to kind of anything it's to service this story which is a bad story well they have to also <laughs> all feature Riker and that's not yeah. going to help um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also just, you know, so they, they can't even pick a highlights reel from season one and two. They can't pick the best bits because yeah. he often wasn't in the best bits. Yes. So they yeah, have to yeah. cut their very kind of like. And there aren't many best bits from season one no, and two as really. well. Yeah, why did they decide, oh, we'll do a clip show and then limit themselves further by going involving Riker? <laughs> well, it's also, you know, they don't have the technology at the time also to place the actor within the other, the pre shot material mm, or yeah. actually recreate any of those sets so that somebody can be in them slightly, you know, do a kind of Christmas carol kind of vibe well they certainly yeah. don't have the money to do anything like that anyway so that's yeah. the whole point of this well, episode I mean, the thing is you could you know have put clips in where there were sets you knew you had so if there were clips based on the Enterprise you could insert like an actor like just do the other angle on it yes but it yeah, seems yeah. they were clearly trying to do the least amount Still of quick. shooting on this I mean 
that set on the jungle planet is yeah it looks um, I, I say it looks very original uh, series but yeah was. and I'm drawn to like you know they got the shoes in the water I was like they're gonna ruin those <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also I mean fucking hell because it's funny that you say you thought it was a previously because the cliffhanger to the pre-titles is Riker going oh it feels like I've got a dead leg into titles yeah. that's literally what he said yeah. it, can you imagine if that had been the previous episode to be continued <laughs> yeah, like, he's gonna poop on his ankle oh shit I can't wait a whole week for the conclusion <laughs> it's not even like him going into cardiac arrest or anything like that like or puking green stuff that wouldn't take any money he yeah, just needs to have yeah. a bit of a stretch yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. it's just you know, there's no there's no real imagination, is there, to dream up some kind of concept for what's yeah, no. going on. I mean, it's funny, actually reminded me, we often talk about comparisons with Red Dwarf, mm. but you know what this reminded me of? What? Gunmen of the Apocalypse, which I think is the best ever episode of Red Dwarf, um, but that's a case of them doing a similar idea, but doing it ten times Better, well, more than 10 times better. Like, you know, yeah. it's just because it actually starts to show signs of getting interesting at a certain point where it's they're kind of finding survival memories that Riker's had before to help him fight the virus and survive. And that's uh, a similar thing to in this episode of Red Dwarf where Crichton, uh, the android on the ship, gets infected with a virus and they hook him up to the AR machine, uh, which is like a virtual reality thing, and he goes into a kind of virtual reality fantasy where he's in a Wild West sheriff in a Wild West town, um, and through fighting in that, that's helping him kind of recover as if he's fighting the virus antibodies, like, but actually he's kind of having gunfights and stuff like that. And that is amazingly handled in that episode so well. So it shows that actually there's a seed of a good idea here. They just have not got... Just having to do that idea, but relying on previous clips. Yeah, it, and, it, it and, I mean, and when it starts, I was like, is this just the greatest hits of all like Riker's lays? Like, all his happy memories? And I was like, there's nothing more nauseating than Riker hitting on people. There is like, no greatest Ugh. hits here. I think the, the Whoopi Goldberg scene oh. also is excruciating. Um, yeah. Does and he... Wesley in the middle just like, uh, No, they, they, they're, they're demonstrating. He doesn't get together with Whoopi. No, 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 no certainly not. Uh, he's teaching Wesley to talk to women. Okay. Did the... you learn any good tips, Bob? <laughs> yeah. Don't be any of those people. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of this, it, they do actually state he's dreaming. Um, so I can see why you thought, oh, these might actually be specially shot dream sequences for the episode. But by what dreaming. Was the first one? The first one is he's like walking across this barren planet yeah, is that and he's calling out to people he doesn't know why anyone's there. The only weird thing is he doesn't have a beard. So at first I was like, oh, this so is... must be from the original I couldn't remember that episode. That's the only yeah. one I thought was like actually shot. But it clearly might the, be. The, the, the no beard. It's the one where he meets... It's a giveaway that it's not. It's I the think. one where he meets Data, isn't it, in the forest? That's well, one of the first. No, the first I, th I think yeah. there is... I think there is another bit where he's got a beard before that where he's calling out to people. I think mm. you are right. And it does look like shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it could have been specially shot for that episode 
episode, but I think you are right. You're right, there's this montage of Riker and various babes he's got together with throughout the show. Yeah. Uh, in one of which, and you mentioned the foot washing, it's like, this is the most unerotic bullshit I've ever seen. Like, I think anything with <laughs> well, Riker. What about the uh, Pleasure Planet flashback? Where the. Oh, right. I mean, God knows what you thought had happened then. Which bit? The, the I might bit, have zoned out. There's a bit yeah. where it flashes yeah. back to an episode set on a pleasure planet, which, is, funny enough, we're going to return to pleasure planet soon. Yeah. Um, but where people are wearing very kind of skimpy costumes. It's the most but, 80s, like, soft-focused porn, <laughs> like, set. Like, yeah. I might have gotten distracted by my phone because I don't remember that bit. I mean, well, I was watching it on my phone and wanted to hide it so people didn't see. Yeah. I saw it and I can't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's the one that we alluded to when we were talked to the director and he said you know oh yes. he heard about a convention where some people came in those costumes again uh, like to a convention like, yeah uh, we yeah, wouldn't need much material I'll give you that like this is yeah this is uh, James L. Conway who directed that episode and lots of other far better episodes mm-hmm. I should say but it, it's funny I actually was having a look at some photos from uh, the Star Trek Las Vegas convention that was recently uh, and definitely saw some photos of people dressed up in those costumes yeah, yeah. so it does oh, yeah. it does happen it reminds me of a little story um, I was um, <laughs> I was uh, you know um, so there was a, there was a, that episode one of the flashbacks is called Angel One I think where there's a, a society led by women right and so Riker like is just like you know sort of perved on and kind of like treated like a second class citizen by these women and he really enjoys it I think this might have been a kind of fetish of Roddenberry's a little bit um, <laughs> because he did a whole show called like Earth 2 or something or, or with um, John Gavin afterwards it's like a pilot and then the pilot didn't go with the series but they made a sequel pilot to that episode. so there's two <laughs> we'll carry it on and the second regardless. one is like you know where he, he's a, he's a spaceman who's landed on this planet and it's ruled by women and or the men are all kind of like kept in line by this like drug Drugged porridge, uh, yeah. And uh, um, but anyway, I was on the I was on the back of a bus, and I was trying to describe this like to uh, a friend of mine, and we just sort of chatted. I go, oh yeah, Gene was like went into this like women like you know being dominant you know planet, and this old woman with a basket next to me just got up and walked away from me. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? You know, just I think the thing, the word fetish scares people. <laughs> <off. laughs> yeah, so. Fetish mixed with domination. Domination, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, this is another thing that I thought must have been so fucking jarring to you during all the clips. Towards the end, there's... uh, I mean, it confused me, and I knew it was a clip show, um, but there's a bit where it's got Troy and Palowski looking over Riker, but there's a clip from them looking over a dying boy as well at the same time, and it's cutting between the two, and... I was like, God knows what you thought was going on at that point. Like, did you think Riker had transformed into a little boy or something? Like that? <laughs> I mean, I had start. I kind of just started treating it like a kind of an art piece by that point. <laughs> there was a man that was melting into like a puddle of oil, and then he was friendly, and then he wasn't, and then he was friendly again. I, I, you know, let it wash over me, man. It's like Warhol's 24-hour movie. <laughs> yeah. like, that's I, fine. I, I do feel like this is the kind of, you know, there's a big white gallery and you walk in and, the, you know, there's a bit of projection going around the corner. You take one look and you kind of just step back gently. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to be respectful. The artist is not here, but I feel like they can see me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that is to say, it, it wasn't bad. It was just neither bad nor good. Yeah. It just was... It just was. <laughs> it simply was. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are bits where it's within the flashback clips, 
it's cutting to other people's perspectives. It's like, how does Riker know this? Because there was one where it kept cutting back to Picard on the bridge, away from Riker. It's oh, like, yeah. he wouldn't remember this. How is he seeing this? Has <laughs> he watched the show? Uh, th- that's Carletto is from when he was given god powers by Q, I reckon. <laughs> like, uh, so we don't want to spend too much time yeah. on this, do we? Because as Maurice Hurley, the writer oh, yeah. of the framing sequences, called it, a piece of shit. Uh, or shades of brown. apparently Rob Bowman the director has never even seen the final cut Mm. of the show I mean it's one of these things where I don't really feel that the writer director of this can be blamed particularly because you know they were hired to do a job in terms of these framing sequences I think it was shot in something like three days um, and you know they were just given this thing of going like right okay so clip show Riker's ill go and that's it it's like kind of well you know what? What can you do? You know, I mean, they're given kind of all the ingredients to make an omelette apart from the eggs. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and you can't know. make an omelette without breaking some eggs. Exactly. So there you go. Um, and it ends in a really weird way as well. We're almost harking back to the original series with this odd kind of bad joke ending, mm. where it's kind of you know, which is very original series style, where suddenly Riker's going, "Oh, I am Jean-Luc Picard," and then he's going, "No, you're not." Oh, yeah, freeze frame credits. They should have, like, and then just had the naked gun sort of like, <laughs> yeah. sort of pouring yeah. coffee on somebody's lap. Like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this has a 3.4 out of too high on IMDb. And I far would say, high. yeah, far too fucking high. It's only got that because this is fans rating it, and I think maybe they can't bring themselves to rate it how it should be. Mm. Um, but, I mean, it's still by far the lowest on there. Uh, this is I, zero. Like zero. Yeah. It's like literally yeah. one of the worst hours. If there was some entertaining part fucking scene in the new wraparound, yeah. maybe get a one. But even yes. they've even yeah, fucked yeah, that yeah. up. So yeah, yeah. Tom and Jerry did throw these episodes some. so much better. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. This is- yeah, so that's, that's, that's <laughs> we're all thoroughly really depressed now. Let's not waste another second on that one, okay? Yeah. Um, Deep Space Nine, anyone? So we go. moving on, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, let he who is without sin uh, from season five and this is as we mentioned another return to a pleasure planet yeah um so this is something that happens quite a lot in star trek uh total archive at least once per series they get shore leave uh, to go fuck about they go onto a pleasure planet that's that's something that happens love island um <laughs> so that's that's the kind of center of this episode you you got a brief plot description man yeah well i mean funny because it's it's quite a simple enough story but it is based very much on character relationships which for you must have been like I don't know because even for me I've only seen a few episodes not this far in so there's certain characters I was like oh they're together oh they're together and you must have been like who are they and are they together <laughs> yeah yes. so yeah so Worf, Dax, Bashir, Lita and Quark go down to the pleasure planet Riser uh, and stuff happens like there's a uh, they get into some bother but it's mainly kind of Relationship is that what the front description says? Well, no, it says they take a Danube class runabout to travel to the planet, <laughs> so that don't make any more sense anyway. Oh, right. So, yeah, it's just saying they go down there and. So, yeah. yeah, they go to the pleasure planet. Once they get to the pleasure planet, um, Worf is being a big stick in the mud, basically, and meets a group that call themselves the Essentials. Essentialists. The Essentials, the Essentialists, something like that. Um, they are kind of this oddly Puritan kind of group who disagree with everything that's going on the pleasure planet but the reason they disagree is they say hey look we're not a big bunch of prudes 
it's that actually we're in the middle of a war uh, because at this point I should point out they are meant to be in the middle of this kind of war of the Dominion uh, which is this kind of you know a prop- Deep Space Nine is where it gets a bit more like a proper arc kind of thing so they're saying hey we're at war you're fucking about on this pleasure planet what are you doing we need to be ready for an attack and they're kind of trying to teach you more lessons Charlie kind of- don't get no USO <laughs> yeah and they kind of bring war around a little bit of rat meat to their way of thinking for a while and you're right Matt I was the same as you I didn't realise that Wolf and Dax got yeah. together because uh, I haven't seen this far in so I was like oh they're together that's like, a bit like weird like she comes out like kind of bragging and it's like oh yeah Dax you play it. and then Wolf comes out and it's like yeah with me I was like holy shit yeah Wolf. and I mean this must have been very jarring for you Todd because were you able to decipher what Dax actually is that's the lady one, right? The, it, well, With, like, the kind of apparently so. Because okay. yeah, so there's there's hints within this episode of kind of her backstory, but did you kind of work that out? I figured she was lost? some kind of alien or someone that was reincarnated or something. Yeah, yeah you're halfway there. Like I think it's this thing of their race. Uh, kind of, they go from host to host. So previously. Um, the the character who she is a host to was in uh, the body of like an old man uh, who Cisco the captain uh, knew previously in that previous life and then went into the body of this young woman uh, and so that's all a bit weird and kind of what's what's going on so we thought when we were watching it originally in the episode we did in D Space Nine saying you kind of think this is maybe a kind of comment on trans kind of stuff, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, that seems to be what they're trying to get at. Uh, Not quite as bold as just putting a trans character in. Which no, could no, easily no, have done no, 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 no. Although I would say in, because the first episode of this would have gone out in 1993. Mm-hmm. So I think that would have been hard, hard going. A for lot of monocles would have popped out. Yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can, they can yeah. take aliens doing it, but <laughs> Exactly. So it's kind of, it's, it's slipping that, idea into the back door isn't it really kind of thing you know in a kind of more subtle uh, way but kind of what are your first thoughts on this I'd seen the guy with the Cornish pasty head I recognised him from Shades of Grey and I've seen him like out in the world somewhere it's like a face I knew <laughs> Damn the hanging out <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know what the deal with Deep Space Nine is as a place more spacemen on space, space things space stuff fine that's fine I can, I can gather that um, the episode can absolutely get fucked and wow. go to hell. Yeah. This was so hard to watch. It was unbelievably difficult to watch. <laughs> <laughs> how is how is this on TV? Like they've got <laughs> infinite space. They've got aliens. They've got cool like reincarnated ladies. They've got a planet where people could do whatever they want. And the first half of it is about prune juice, and then the second <laughs> half of it is a couple arguing on holiday. Like, you could transplant the whole thing to, like, Magaluf, and it would be exactly <laughs> the same. No, I mean, it'd be more interesting. And yeah. it's directed by René Aubergenois. Aubergenis. Aubergenis, yeah. I apologise, uh, Monsieur René. Um, who should know fucking better? Yeah. Like, where, where do you where do you know him from? He was in Mash and right. uh, a bunch of other stuff. He's definitely cropped up in one of the seasons we covered for the Bitter End, and I'm yeah. embarrassed to not. You realise he's yeah. in this as a regular a actor, actor as well. well he was in um, uh, McCabe and Mrs Miller, uh, Robert oh. Altman movie. He was in uh, The Patriot. 
or Patriots. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We've also featured Jason Isaacs. I've heard Star Trek. He along. plays the devil in an episode of Erie, Indiana. If really? uh, you're familiar yeah. with that. Um, yeah, yeah. He's one of the main cast, he's, but he's not in this episode. No, he, he's, he's in the right opening. Right the well, don't blame him for taking one look at the script and being like, "No way am I showing <laughs> up in this." He's just, I will go behind the camera for this episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, it can get fucked. Like, fuck this. Fuck it. Absolutely fucking. There's, there's scenes where there's just people talking and they're like, this is boring, uh, it's not spacey enough. Let's put someone with blue skin and just have him stand in the background. And there's just a guy with blue skin standing there being like, I am an alien. Ooh. And then he walks off and then there's back to arguing about that he drinks too much prune juice or something. That's literally, that sounds like a joke. That's what they talk about. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Rene is uh, playing Odo, who you see at the beginning, who is the uh, kind of weird alien security guy at the start. He's kind of pink. He looks like his skin's a bit stretched, but he's made out of... No, yeah. okay. so, I mean, I no, probably did. <laughs> Zoned out. Alien, alien boy, got it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it just, it's so odd hearing Star Trek characters talk about their sex lives. Oh. And was, <laughs> There's nothing nerdier than nerds talking about sex like this. Yeah, it's it, like, is just, it was so cringeworthy because it's just like yeah it was it was terrible like those um, those exchanges because you just this thing is very sexless the, the costumes aren't very even when they get down to writer and they kind of like she strips off it's like you know you can see that's a bit funny day for primark you know <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's that bit isn't it where dax starts to take her kit off and she's like oh i see the viewers improved that... like, and i was like not really love like... there's a really <laughs> weird line right because she's supposed to be uh pasty head's girlfriend right yes so she takes off her clothes and she's in like a bikini or something and she's like well, what do you suit, yeah. what do you think and he says oh i once saw a sun explode off the shores of orion <laughs> yeah. that was the most beautiful thing i'd seen until now it's like mate have you not seen your girlfriend before yeah. is this literally the first time you've looked at her and that's as far as it's gone it's yeah like, well it's like you Usually, when you see her naked, he's like, "Right, that was disgusting." But now you're covered in this nice swimsuit. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I'm actually like the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A swimsuit which apparently has a speedo logo on it somewhere. Right. So that's so bizarre. Like they just couldn't have possibly have passed the script more than twice. <laughs> Nobody talks like that. Not even aliens. Like, how is this meant to be an entertaining does, conversation does, for us to listen to? It doesn't do Wolf's character any favors at all. I mean, he is such a horrible boyfriend in this as well isn't he like, yeah I mean it's funny you were saying about kind of the characters talking about sex the pre-titles here is really fucking odd and actually reminded me this is a weird trope of DS9 it reminded me of Crossfire uh, the episode um, that Alice chose for us to watch in our Deep Space Nine episode which was a really good episode overall however it had this opening pre-task where there was this odd conversation between Kira and Odo about an abusive relationship that was going on on the ship where they were kind of making light of the situation and again this happens again yeah. I mean Worf is acting like a borderline abusive boyfriend he's so super controlling in that opening but also Dax is talking about this insanely violent sex they're having now I'm all for people <laughs> Having, you know, their kind of, yeah, happy S&M lies in the bedroom and everything like that. But, I mean, she's turning around and they're kind of going, oh, yeah, she's seen the doctor three times this week for broken ribs. <laughs> everything like that. And it's like, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay, okay. Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm, 
I'm all for kind of like where everyone's. There are no safe words. On yeah, this this is, I was like, this is this is too far. I was like, why? Why is the captain of the ship having a laugh about this? I you hear those that... things really easy though on this in the future, so you can go a bit further. You can. <laughs> it's a warrior yeah. race. Asphyxia ranks don't need to be the dead end they once were. <laughs> I might have misinterpreted it, but I thought that that was a reference to not like S&M but like is she having sex with like a big massive alien or something well she's having sex with him like right. the, the, the Klingon uh, pasty pasty boy right yeah they, she, and the Klingon obviously Worf is a big strong kind yeah of, like, that's yeah, why girl. I assume and uh, Dax you assume I mean I don't really know is Dax super strong as well no no she's just like I, I don't know in, in the sense that so yeah you just presume what Klingon like, Worf is just throwing her about the fucking bedroom like breaking her bones and yeah. sending her to the I doctor think it's war, I think basically Klingons like you know you know, they work hard and they play hard I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the I'll also play football or soccer uh, very violently as well his monologue about scoring a goal it was oh so funny God, to hear like, so, they yeah. try and play like a tragic childhood sports day story and it just comes out so unintentionally funny coming from him yeah, like, yeah. talking about soccer and corner when I was 13, I was captain of my school soccer team. We had made the championships, and I was determined to win. Near the end of the second half, with the score tied, my team got a corner kick. Ball sailed up high. Both I and one of my opponents, a human boy named Mikel, leapt up to head the ball. The next thing I knew, the ball was sailing into their goal. I roared with triumph and turned around to Mikhail to gloat, only to find him lying on the grass, bleeding. Our heads had collided when we both went up for the ball. I had not felt the impact, but I had broken his neck, and he died the next day. Yeah. Okay, okay, right. That's I'm the crux of the episode. I'm going to go out on a limb here, guys. Yeah. I like this episode. Yeah. As in, it's, it's definitely my favourite of the ones we're going to talk about today. Now that's not saying a huge amount. I will say that it's not saying a huge amount. However, Worf is a character that you know I've seen quite a lot of now because I think we actually worked out that well, he's in more than any other. Yeah, he's ever. in more than any other character. So, so I've seen quite a lot of him from TNG to DS9. So I do actually feel quite connected to him as a character. And at first. I mean, number one, whenever they go to a pleasure planet, I'm always like, all right, okay. I'm out. Like, like, you know, and that's what I was thinking here. And then when War first started mucking around with the essentialists, I was kind of like, oh, Worf, he's acting like such a prick in this episode. But then when he actually got this revelation about his school story, I thought this not only explained what was going on in the episode, but kind of Wolf's character in general, in the sense of he has always seemed like this quite restrained version of a Klingon. He doesn't really seem to relate to the other Klingons who come into the show or we've seen before. And he's much more buttoned up than them, who are kind of, you know, this warrior race. Because he's so serious, but actually when we see other Klingons kind of thing, they don't actually seem like that they seem mm. to be quite boisterous and stuff and when he actually explained this I was like oh this does actually explain a lot and I did think his performance was really good I did find it quite powerful this idea of like you know he was this kind of super powerful super strong kid like, uh, you know, kid to death yeah going away going up against kind of human kids not realising his own strength and accidentally 
killed this boy and he suffered with the guilt of that all this time and like, that. Yeah, I found it powerful. I mean, I, so that, that's them actually I, trying to do I, something and it yeah. mostly kind of working. I mean, it, yeah. it, it comes out a bit kind of like, oh, here's an easy way to tie up the reasons why he's doing this stuff. So it is a bit kind of like story of the week very much there, but at least it's doing something. Shades of Grey doesn't, and as much yeah, as I yeah. hate the Voyager episode to come as well, I, I'd agree that I like this one the most as well, just because yeah, I, I, I do I, like the people I involved. I enjoyed it the most because yeah. it's just like, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was entertaining that bit. And I think uh, the essentialist kind of plot line was quite funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it missed a massive trick towards the end, like that where like Wolf throws that guy, I wanted to be killed. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's happened again. He's dead. Like, oh, like you know, it just landed really awkwardly. A bit like the end of a um, uh, hundred dollar baby in uh, uh, it's all signed in Philadelphia, where uh, you know Devito punches the guy, yeah, and his door knocks over the door and breaks it. <laughs> just like the last page, like run. Okay. Well, I, this was interesting as well because the essentialist by the end came across like the fucking toxic nerds who complain about Star Trek Discovery. It's that thing of when he has this big speech wharf to him saying oh you say we must return to traditional federation values but he points out that they've fucking forgotten what those values are I was like that is like literally you could be speaking to these bands you go like oh why is Star Trek so diverse now it's like that's the whole idea always mate like yeah so I yeah I kind of like uh, uh, what, what did we think of uh, Bashir's little side story of that little ritual oh, to, yeah, well, to break up with somebody I was like oh man that's that was stupid. all pretty weird wasn't yeah it? although like, Quark like getting in and out of there his little appearances were nice, yeah so. Quark always brings a bit of comic relief kind yeah. of, even if it is kind of pervy comic relief yeah. in this episode I mean I must admit I do find the idea of kind of the pleasure planets kind of problematic full stop and I don't really fit, I, I can't see them doing a pleasure planet episode on Discovery no time at this point <laughs> yeah 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 I mean no, they have no time dedicated to a pleasure planet on Discovery uh, but I just think the whole idea is a bit kind of dodgy and weird and kind of like you know it's yeah it's a bit weird it does feel a bit like um, you know the um uh, what's that kind of like uh, thing that the guy in Canada ran over those people followed uh, in cell you know you've got a planet here where if you want sex there's a woman for you like yes. you know there's one for everybody yeah. it just feels yeah. like an imagination of that like uh, ideal like and it's really distasteful yeah it's like, just a you can't fantasy, imagine the future there's got to be yeah. some kind of simulated like holodeck you know porn thing you can do I tell Nobody you why gets they hurt. couldn't do it <laughs> they couldn't do it now because of Westworld in the sense of, don't get me wrong, obviously I know there was a Westworld movie before this, but I don't get, I've seen the film, um, from what you've told me of the TV series, it sounds like they're addressing these kind of issues yeah, yeah. in someone's going to a kind of, you know, uh, it sets up artificial like intelligence pleasure kind of dome in a kind of far more in-depth way. And so you can imagine if that shows on TV and they tried to do this now on Discovery, it would seem really weird. Yeah, I mean, actually, the first season of Westworld is almost like a mission statement of, oh, here's a pleasure planet that's going to fucking rebel and kill you if it can, because guess what? They're real, and who you know who's to say what's real or not when it's this close to reality? That's kind of mm. what it's all about. So There's a lot. I mean, we've talked about this before with USS Callister and stuff like that. There's, there's yeah. so much sci-fi being made today about that's the big thing about artificial intelligence being sentient and kind of you know do they have rights and everything like that um and i mean it's almost weird like in being that they did kind of discuss these sort of issues in star trek in next generation with measure of the man and uh in voyager with like an image 
that they kind of even kind of didn't translate that to the pleasure planet idea and go, oh, wait a minute, isn't this a bit odd? Considering we've just That's had... always been outside of yeah, the like, canon oh, of everything kind of else. Yeah. Separate, yeah, from that. It's what, a tradition. What's your take on the pleasure planet, start? I mean, it meant nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> I understood it. I get it. Like, fine. Seems like a pretty boring thing to set your sci-fi space show on when you can have exploding suns and black holes and you know big people with lasers. Basically, and stuff. anything else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the gap year to Bangkok or something, but for an hour. Yeah, uh, the Benidorm Christmas special. Uh, so, I mean, like I say, this this was my favourite episode of the ones we watched. That's not a high bar, uh, but. And there is definitely stuff in this that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. All the stuff with Bashir and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck is going on there? I, I agree with Worf. You two dishonour each other with your actions. <laughs> <as well. laughs> and dishonour us by having to watch it. Uh, but then followed by lesbian clay fest between Dax and sort of her ex-lover, you assume? Mm. Uh, where they're having the most erotic sculpture session <laughs> since Ghost. Going like, yeah, I mean, that's really... Yeah, it was whippy in this episode this is usually yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah should yeah, have yeah, done yeah. a crossover I forgot all about that yeah 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 should have brought her back in um, so I mean there's lots of kind of dodgy material where you're kind of oh god like Worf is about to go skinny dipping at the end well I you know I, I was so sad I didn't get to see those uh, gold lame pants like you know <laughs> Uh, big fan of them wanting to pride myself so <laughs> um, but yeah but the, the central thing the thing that saves it for me is the Worf kind of revelation about his character I think it's a great character moment for him uh, so I'll stand up for it and I liked the kind of stuff with the essentialists as well so for me this gets a 5.5 on IMDb I would say underrated I'd probably kind of scrape a seven for me Ooh. like uh, yeah so I I like it I think I put five on the on the button for me that's like <laughs> okay yeah that's fair yeah uh, what about you Matt? yeah kind of five-ish stuff like I know the highs that DS9 can hit just from yes. some of the best ones yeah, I picked yeah, out yeah it's very true so if this is one of the low then I'd say well done if this can be one of your low because it's watchable the ones, perhaps, unlike some of these. So yeah, Todd, I, I get the feeling. <laughs> Maybe it would be better yeah. if I did not share. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you, you, I, I, you almost come across like this is the worst one view. This is the worst episode of Star Trek I've ever seen. <laughs> so worse than Shades of Grey, you think? Worse than the clip show? I mean, Shades of Grey, I wouldn't rate. I don't mind. I don't mind Shades of Grey. That's fine. Oh. This is worse than any of the ones we've discussed so far for me. Wow. It was just, yeah. it was just bad TV. Like I, the thing is, because I don't have the context for. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, this true. is an yeah, interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. thing to happen for this character, or mm-hmm. this is interesting within the context yeah. of this. I get that, but I that is all invisible to me. So yeah. all I can do yeah. is. Is this an entertaining way to spend forty-five minutes of my life? <laughs> no, it is not. Yes. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Within the context of the episode, nothing like, worse yeah. than seeing people you don't know go on holiday. It's like being forced to watch. Like, I don't want to go on holiday with people I do know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the thing is, in general, 
these early Star Trek shows, the reason kind of they work in terms of picking episodes out and stuff like that is, in general, they are very episodic. Mm. Um, so even with DS9, like at this point, there's a bit of an arc going on. You can pick out episodes and watch them on their own, and they're meant to play on their own because these were all shows that were syndicated and stuff like that. So you should be able to watch one and kind of enjoy it as long as it's not like the finale of the whole thing or anything like that. So it's obviously failed for yes, you on that point. Monster of the Week and the Monster's Commitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was written by Robert Hewitt Wolf and Ira Stephen Bear, who are both Trek alumni. Uh, Robert's written over 40 episodes of Star Trek. Ira's written over 60 episodes. So, you know, they had to come up with a lot of ideas, these guys. Perhaps they were worn out by the time they got to this one. Like I say, it worked for me just about... Uh, but not for everyone else and we've already discussed that Odo uh, directed this maybe Todd thinks he should stick to acting I don't know moving on to the last episode we're going to discuss today from Star Trek Voyager it's Threshold uh, from season 2 this gets a 5.2 out of 10 on the IMDB Matt have you got a plot description so our, our old favourite, Lieutenant Tom Paris, attempts to break the Warp 10 barrier, which has never been done before. Upon working out how to do it, uh, bad things begin to happen, and he begins to change in numerous ways. Yeah, so he begins to mutate, doesn't he, essentially. Uh, kind and he of... still remains an annoying prick, even yeah. when he's <laughs> turning into a literal monster. <laughs> so first thing first, Todd. I got to assume that this is the episode you sort of liked. Fucking loved it. Wow. <laughs> this is great. And and especially interesting coming off the back of the conversation we just had because this is the first episode where I had no cultural touchstone for any right. of the characters at all. Right. I didn't have my Spock, I didn't have my Shatner, didn't even have the facial recognition of Pasty Head boy. <laughs> I didn't know who anyone was supposed to be. I didn't know what the Voyager thing is I gather that it's not the normal deal with them on the spaceship they're doing something else yeah. I don't know mm -hmm. like whatever I didn't know who any of them were and I fucking loved it and do wow. you know why it's because it was the fly in space yeah. right oh okay yeah. so the body horror was yeah. what drew you in but even before the effects came in and I, it's they were actually talking like human beings they were actually talking sensibly like human beings and they were some of the, there were some of them that I didn't like, but that I clearly wasn't supposed to like. They weren't all just a bunch of a ha 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 They were like rounded and had things going on and motivations, and they were using a lot of made up words and all of that stuff that happens in these shows. Yeah. But like it was, there was something for me to hook onto, and they seemed real, and the sets looked like they were actually in the room that they were in, and it was great. It was too short. For me, I can wow. add another five minutes. Make this a whole TOS 50 minute. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's funny. I think we actually talked about in our Voyager episode that the Voyager crew, I think, do seem like the most human and relatable crew you get up until that point where their dialogue certainly doesn't seem as stilted. So you've got like a mix before. of yeah, you've got a mix of like the um, marquee crew who have had to join them to make up the numbers yeah. and regular Starfleet personnel. And you know, in fact, they're nowhere near any any kind of like touchstone for like that. They you know have to kind of get along a bit more. I think it adds a little bit more kind of like there's a lot more interpersonal conflict. Yes, because of the fact yeah. that they're from different ships, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, just to fill you in, Todd, the deal with Voyager 
is that they've been flung, uh, is it 70 years? Yeah. 70 years away from home. Uh, so it's a sort of Battlestar Galactica type deal. Um, and they're trying to get home. So they're out in deep space, alone, cut off from Starfleet. That's the basic idea. But also, the ship is a mix of Starfleet officers and a, re- a rebel group called the Marquis, because they happen to be transporting them as prisoners when they went flung so they've had to kind of gather together and become one crew and i think i inferred that because there was some sort of trust issues between them and yeah but i had i was given none of the exposition on that and i still kind of picked it up and it Mm. didn't matter the script there was literally only one scene that left me thinking what was that about where like some bloke with a big mask came up on a tv and was like yes our plan is working perfectly oh yeah i was never referred to again (laughs) i was like okay i guess that guy's not coming back that's fine (laughs) but again didn't matter Who's, yeah. the, who's the bloke with the big mask? Well, he's called... K- they're the Kazon, who are like a, a sort of species that are a bit belligerent in that area of the universe, and they've kind of got it in for Voyager, and it seems like there's a traitor aboard, what I gathered there. Like, you know, so that's going to come into play later. But yeah. I was I was annoyed at that because, you know, just going on the episode, that wasn't resolved. It was just a, like a yeah. little teaser for something like that. Yeah, I had to infer that was an ongoing thing. Yeah. Because it, 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 the way that scene happens is it, it makes it seem like it will resolve within the episode, that someone well, else is going to attempt the thing and transform... You know, mm-hmm. Traitor Boy is in, like, the next shot where there's, like, a phaser fight just off screen, which is quite cool. And, uh, you know, you think there's going to be a, a bit of that. He's actually involved in letting them loose to kind of, like, throw things in disarray mm. to allow the other people to attack. And so that kind of, like, when that didn't happen, I was like, oh, they've missed a trick there. Well, uh, this was another one where I actually thought kind of the best bit for me was the uh, pre-titles. I actually thought the pre-titles with um, Paris is a sort of virtual simulator, isn't it? To try again, but we don't know that when we first start watching. And then it all gets quite intense quite fast. He seems to be crashing. And then there's the reveal of, oh, actually, it was kind of a simulator. Um, and they're still trying to break the this is why they try and break the warp barrier so they can get home I see um, so I actually thought it was a really good pre-titles uh, then after that we realised yes this is a Paris episode uh, we we should say Tom Paris the kind of lead character in this episode has previous form on this show as being a despised character he was had... a bellend yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I thought he was kind of meant to be a bit of a heel because he's really rude to the sh- waiter guy the chef, at the yeah, start yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah Neelix he comes out and he's trying to help and they're all just really rude to him for literally yeah. no reason get back in your kitchen yeah. <laughs> they basically are so I thought I was inferring that though that scene was supposed to tell me that that character is like racist or just well, not very nice. What was sad way. about it was that he wasn't alone in that, like dissing Neelix. Everybody kind of like rolls their eyes at him, just trying to help. And uh, you know he's sort of a self-appointed like morale officer for the ship, for the ship, and like you know they are kind of real constant. <laughs> and, Aren't uh, they supposed to be racist? No, they're not. Like, right, it's okay. not. It's not about like him. They just find the person annoying. I think. Right, yeah. So they're yeah. just going. Yeah, you're just the cook. We're talking about very sophisticated things here, and he has to be. Hang on a minute. I've studied this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a weird one, really, because yeah, Paris does act as usual like a complete and utter twat in this episode he's so uh, you know you know he's like a he's born with a silver spoon essentially yeah. he's the son of a great like admiral isn't it yeah. yeah 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 but it's odd isn't it because it's funny that you watched it thinking we're meant to think he's a prick <laughs> 
but I'm not quite sure if we are. No, I'm not no. convinced. But everything in this episode points to that because there are part like mm. you know, if he if he was a character we'd actually engage with, we could actually empathise with. But even when like bad stuff has happened to him, he's still being a prick. And it's like, mm. yeah, if he was meant to be that guy, that would track. But it feels like he's meant to be this. But the bad boy hero, and he's still being annoying. I had nothing to judge him on other than yeah. what is in the show, right? I had no previous mm, form mm. with this guy. So all of my opinions on him are based mm, on what mm. he says and does. Well, uh, I also found it's like, you know, he's he talks a bit about like how he hasn't got the respect of anybody else. Like, but there's no scene where people kind of like dismiss him. Mm, he's no. like quite he's like respected for his opinion. He's working along well with other people uh, that are actually on you know, Kim and Bellana. Like they all like, you know, this kind of three of them are all working on this thing together. They respect him, they, and he's like the guy, nobody's arguing that yeah. he shouldn't be the number one yeah. guy to fly the ship, only the doctor on medical grounds. Yeah. So, you know, but he talks about like, you know, um, I haven't got, you know, I haven't got, you know, I thought this might get me the respect. It's like, you've already got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, he's the rumour of the show, isn't yeah. he? He's playing Without his own insecurities and letting them destroy him and others. And so he's such a big baby, throwing all his toys out of the pram, kind of Janeway lets him have his way. And I mean, for me, and this is kind of an example of why I don't actually think the show thinks he's a twat, mm. it's because he gets rewarded for these things. After he has his massive baby speech about not getting any respect to her, Janeway says, oh, I will let you go. So it takes yeah, away she's just Kim... like, good luck. Yeah, it's it takes like, oh, away Kim's on. job. So give, oh, give it to the straight white guy over the poor Asian guy. <laughs> and like, you know, takes away Kim's job who's better qualified than Paris to do this job and puts everyone in danger. Yeah. By into, it's like, this is their only chance to get back. Why would you... Fuck it up. She, she could easily have like banned him from doing it, and him being him went behind her back, stole the ship, and went and did it. And then you're back on track with the episode with them. Yeah, because all my notes were like, <laughs> why aren't they like court martialing this guy? Like, because towards the end, he basically commit, he's like mutineering, he's kidnapping Janeway. Yeah, yeah, his mind's getting a bit messed up with his transformation. But by the end of that, at the very end, she's like, yeah, accommodation yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, but at the end, if he's on Megas two, that's like you know eternity in prison. Yeah. <laughs> he, he says, he says, my dad told me I was special. Yeah. Everyone what? told me I was special, and I'm thinking, well, this is the fucking problem because you're not special, yeah. Harris. You're a mediocre piece of shit, and this is the kind of white male privilege that leads I, to total disaster. I thought that was by design, though. Yeah, right, I, I thought okay. that was all in there, and everything that you've just said is in there. So maybe it's sort of this is a funny experiment then, because it all tracks for you, but at, within out within the context it kind of sticks out and that might be why it gets voted down hmm. I haven't seen the rest well, but I wouldn't I, say it's more of the worst I don't think it's voted down for Paris yeah, I think I it's think voted right. down for like the batshit kind of like yeah. he's the, why is this the result of a yeah. warp experiment that he's it's like two plots mashed together they're saying this is a you know um, an evolution of the human like you know genome to a where we're going and I don't think we're going forward in this it looks like we're going back to the primordial soup yes. as described <laughs> yeah, by yeah, Q yeah, yeah. in the last episode of Star Trek Next Generation so I think like you know the fact is like um, you know I don't think the planet is getting towards a jungle state anyway so you know we're not going to evolve into like back into the swamp anyway <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. every desert oh maybe but what if that planet has a cataclysmic event and everything gets completely turned to like toxic sludge and then that's yeah, like a new primordial yeah. soup well it, yeah it could be actually and uh, I mean I did like the design of the creatures at the end they do look like our, our show mascot <laughs> yeah uh, Aristotle the axolotl uh, but 
but randomly not the same size as uh, the Rick characters they're meant to be sort of turned in from. Did anybody else like get the vibe of Goosebumps TV show when it went yeah. to that planet? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, those are the practical effects when yeah. they're going into the into the swamp are really kind of dodgy. Aren't they? Like, yeah, it looks very kind of stop motiony. I thought that was so, great that they had babies though. That was really. It was of, creepy. Oh, I thought that was yeah. a cool twist because what they they do is yeah, so Matey Boy. It, evolves into this lizard he kidnaps one of the ladies from the White, ship the captain. she also ends up evolving into a lizard they have these babies which like they decide to leave on the planet fuck you with ecosystem so <laughs> they, well, it's going to start a whole new civilization right yeah. that's that's presumably they're the case. Adam and Eve of this place yeah exactly uh, but their brothers the kids are going to be like brother and sister as well yeah oh god like that whole bit I was just like can Janeway please stop talking about initiating mating with oh. Paris as a lizard yeah, I mean that oh. really weirded me out because I was like whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute Paris kidnapped Janeway yeah and forcibly took her to that planet and then there's this weird thing where and I'm, uh, so until Janeway turned around and started basically flirting with Paris going oh well maybe it was me who initiated it mate I was like whoa this, wait is, a all against your this will. is some mad Stockholm Syndrome shit he kidnapped you took you to this planet and mated with you yeah like this episode doesn't reflect Janeway well at all <laughs> no no or Paris or the writers or anyone <laughs> going like you know I was just kind of like what is going on and then the fact yeah she turns around and says you know what you deserve after kidnapping your execution captain? no promotion <laughs> accommodation you're the best it's just like you did right, it kid it, you failed in every aspect possible like, <laughs> like, you know uh, just what is going on why would he get rewarded Oh, that it, I yeah. I think what I alluded to earlier as well. I think another big problem is like the warp ten barrier. Like mm. you know the fact that it's not. They don't talk about it again. They don't even attempt to try and fix this situation. Yeah. We it tried. Just, they moved it. They, they moved turned into lizards. It. And you know it's a trans warp thing. As soon as it's one of those things. Once you invent it, which they have, mm. it's difficult then because you've just got like something exists in this universe that you have to acknowledge. Mm. Maybe if they'd given Kim a chance to actually do it properly. They could have got back in season two rather than having to wait until the end. Yeah, could they like, say, yeah. "Oh, we can get home, but if we do it this way, we will all turn into giant lizards"? Which Is they that... know, which they know, they can reverse. Yeah. So yeah. why don't they just do it and just leave instructions on like a piece of paper <laughs> for the for the doctor to yeah fix well, for the doctor? He's not going to turn into a lizard. He's, he can just like go, get him on the cargo bays. Yeah. So it, yeah, it doesn't make its own sense in the show at all. I mean, uh, there's some good effects though. I do think like the Cronenberg esque yeah. like tongue falling out, and that stuck with me because when Ooh. I watched this as a child, there was um, you know. Um, the fact is, that I didn't. My my bronze quality is also off because I'm young, <laughs> and I think like the tongue falling out bit really stuck with me. I remembered that bit, so I didn't remember this episode as being a particularly bad one. Uh, actually, more memorable than a lot of them because of the crazy effects. Mm-hmm. And um, well, this episode won an Emmy for for, for makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is very much the yeah. the Suicide Squad effect. He does look a bit like um, the guy in RoboCop who gets a toxic sludge yeah. on him yeah. before he gets like, run over. You're right. <laughs> Speaking, yeah, yeah. Of, speaking of that makeup, Emmy, it beat out DS9's The Visitor episode. Yeah, which is a, a fantastic episode of DS9, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't really remember the makeup that much in that. I suppose the old age yeah. makeup going on is right. not as interesting as the mental shit that's going yeah. on here. Um, um, this episode also did a thing I kind of have a problem with which it does the death fake out when it's so obviously not a case I mean it oh, doesn't yeah, last yeah. very long but it annoys me it's like oh it's what not, when not he dead. disappears uh, well no when he like dies in the 
medical bay and then uh, the next morning he's fine it's like, I thought you meant it was the bit where there, there's a bit after you the walk 10 thing where he actually disappears and they go oh I can't find him he's gone at that point I was like thank fucking god I mean <laughs> if, he, if he'd stayed gone this would be the best episode ever like yeah oh, well, also like you know when he um, you know does die and they you know pretty much we have to do a post-mortem on him tomorrow um, there's no sort of reaction from any of his friends on the crew. They don't get well, shot. Well, I mean, like, rightfully so. Like, you know, him, nobody, like his best mate, they, they skip over that. Kim's like, bursting into the knives like <laughs> first crack at this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I want a souvenir. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk uh, ratings in regards to 5.2, underrated or overrated. I feel like Todd, you're going to be the big supporter of this one. I liked it. Uh, would what? I mean, if the rest of the show is like this, I might check out a bit more of it. Yeah, there's there's some kind of like early on in Voyager, there are some kind of fucked up kind of body horror stuff. There's like this uh, uh, aliens called the Phage. Uh, who um, oh they might be what they've got wrong with them is that it's basically they are like dying out but they are, are harvesting organs from other species they're literally going around being those you know you wake up in a bathtub full of ice with like a sky you didn't expect oh, cool. you know that's their kind of whole deal and so they're kind of like being you know harvesting organs from the Voyager crew and that kind of stuff that's a pretty good one I mean I would say there's much better episodes than this Todd so if you were you can't intrigued by this one maybe maybe Voyager Any is going to be your Doctor centric ones as well because you know yeah. he is yeah. very good why why was he not suffocating when everyone else was suffocating he's a hologram he's a hot He's a hologram. Yeah, Where yeah, did they get that idea from? <laughs> yeah. Red Dwarf. Again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Red Dwarf comparisons always yeah. abide uh, <laughs> with, with Star Trek. So I, there's a lot of that. Just he's like he's uh, activated because the Doctor's killed in the pilot, so they have to like you know, like the backup. This, but he's only meant to be on for like a short period of time. He's like, but because they have to have him on all the time, he, he gets gets more characterization as it goes on. So he has the biggest arc essentially of anybody, mm. and he's more human than human. That's our mother. Yeah, he's he's one of the most more interesting AI characters like more than like data for the most part yeah like, yeah they do with him they do some really interesting stuff with him as uh, Sophie who came on for um, our Voyager episode uh, as we mentioned I picked Leighton Image which is an episode that concentrates on him and I mean that that was a brilliant oh, hour of yeah. television like really really amazing so Dark there's well. definitely I, I will say that Voyager is one of the shows that certainly in my experience I've met uh, a lot of people who either have only watched Next Generation and love that or only watch Voyager and love that that have, seems to happen more than any of the other shows um, so there are loads of people who just watch Voyager and love it so maybe that's the one for you Todd it tickled so, my fancy I'm, gl- I'm glad that you could walk away with at with, least something <laughs> yeah something something to not just like you. burn it all down yeah. to come, to yeah, like, we don't have to end with a pod you can just like say you know, thank you for coming it was enjoyable uh, and at, least, <laughs> at least you liked the last one we talked yeah, about yeah. rather than if it was the first one is the best and then yeah, got and then downhill anywhere. from there and that yeah. is to the bitter end so. um, <laughs> this was written by Brandon Bragger uh, a famous name to anyone who's a kind of Star Trek fan he's kind of one of the grand architects of the kind of later Star Trek series, very much so. Directed by Alexander Singer, who was the associate producer on Stanley Kubrick's The Killing. Mm-hmm. Learned nothing about directing from Kubrick, clearly. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, I did not wow, like nice. this episode. I think 5.2 is overrated uh, for it. I did. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not like oh, okay. it. Okay, I'm going to give it a. 6.5 wow Todd it, it agrees with you Matt uh, I mean 
The ideas, the plot, and the body horror, great. The complete fucking up of the good characters and the fucking up of a bad character into something that he's not kind of ruins the whole thing. If you switch some roles around and change a few decisions, it can become a classic. But in that head, it's very muddled. So four or five, I think. Okay, so it's a sort of split decision. Um, looking back over this kind of cavalcade of travesty, what would we say is our is our kind of favourite caravan of courage? Yeah, is is our favourite of all of these, Paul? Um, it's it's, it's I, I probably will go threshold. Actually, now thinking about it, right? Yeah, okay. I, I think there's more going on there. That's, that's, it's it's entertaining more than I would say the Deep Space Nine one, which is I think Deep Space Nine one initially I went gravitate well because I'd not seen it and it's right. new mm-hmm. threshold. You know, when we stack them up, it's got something going on for it, which is different. Okay, Matt? Yeah, no, you, you win me around with that one. Like, on, on, a, on a core basis, Threshold's more successful for what it tries to do. DS9 was interesting for me because of the characters that I glimpsed that I like, but overall, it was a bit more throwaway. Like, this wasn't a throwaway plot. This was a this was a solid story to go out that with. makes sense. And the execution, the, then yeah. They would be trying to attempt this. Yeah. Like, that mm, makes sense. Yeah. So this wasn't the jokey, like, we've run out of money we'll just throw them on a Pleasure Planet or do a clip show episode. This was a proper episode that had some flaws. So Yeah. Well, Todd, we already know it's going to be Threshold for you. Team Threshold for life. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to go against the grain and pick Let He Who Is Without Sin, uh, which I liked, yeah, definitely, like, more than any of See you on life, sir. Rest. So, yeah, I will be booking my trip to the Pleasure Planet <laughs> right now. Uh, Todd, it's been a pleasure to have you on, mate. I should also mention, alongside Bear End, you organise the... Brighton Hove podcasters meetups, uh, which are great. Uh, I've been to quite a few of those. Really good for networks. So if there's anyone listening who uh, hosts a podcast in Brighton and Hove uh, who wants to come down, then definitely check that out. There's a Facebook group oh, for it. Greater there? Sussex area. Yes, we do accept people from further afield. Um, <laughs> yeah, find us on Facebook. It's the Brighton and Hove podcast. Group, I think it's it is on Facebook. If you search Brandon Hove podcast, it's the first thing that comes up. Um, that's where we announce the meetups. But there's other reasons to join the group in terms mm-hmm. of finding guest hosts, or looking for recording facilities, or getting for feedback, or anything of that ilk. And then the meetups are just a fun a fun time, guys. Yeah, come hang, fun. come hang. We're yeah. so lonely. And, and, <laughs> and what's up next for the bitter end? Uh, what's up next for the bitter end? We've chosen what we would like to do for our next season. When we return, we have not yet worked out when we will logistically be able to. Can you drop that hot scoop right now? I cannot drop it right now, but I will say it is a a franchise that is going to have a new film released next year. And where can we find the bit around? Because although you are on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, there are tons of episodes available in back catalogue and... Yeah, it's time to catch up. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, exactly. It's a great show. Seven seasons, pal. They're all on there. Thank you very much. There. So do dive in if you want. There's um, horror seasons. There's sci-fi seasons. There's action seasons. And the most important thing is the way we structure it. We don't expect you to have watched the films. We would actually prefer it if you hadn't. <laughs> we watch them so you don't have to. So pick a season you know you Dirty know nothing work. about. So dive into the Highlanders or the Home Alones or the whatever and um, see if you like it plus it will inspire people to watch you I mean your Child's Play uh, season definitely inspired me to watch Child's Play which I hadn't watched before did you like Child's Play I, I did like the first one yeah I haven't had, I will go back and watch the second one 
First ones, uh, first two aren't even the best, man. Number well, four is the best. Well, yeah, I, I've heard that it gets it. I mean, you've you've pretty much sold me on all of that series, to be honest, and like you know, or the majority at least. Um, but yeah, the first one, I, I I enjoyed. It was good fun. So yeah, glad to hear it. There you go. So yeah, check out the bitter end. Um, we'll be back next month uh, with something a little different. Uh, next month we're starting a new strand of the show. Spotlight at the movies. Uh, so what we're going to do is Star Trek is such a huge franchise that's you know had so many amazing creative talents involved um, over the years. And what we decided would be really interesting to do, being that you know we came into this podcast saying we're doing this from a non-tracking perspective, and we're always been fans of film first and now becoming fans of Star Trek as a result, um, that we wanted to explore some of the movies that kind of different people involved in Star Trek have been involved with. Uh, so if you look at all the directors of the Star Trek movies, just as a kind of starting point, you've got people like Robert Wise, who was you know, a legendary director before he directed mm-hmm. Motion Picture. Um, so there's lots and lots of stuff to explore. Career, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So please. <laughs> so next month, for our initial episode of Spotlight of the Movies, we're going to discuss Free Men and a Baby, directed by Leonard Nimoy himself. Uh, Spock, he stepped into the director's chair. Was that a logical choice? We'll find <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He stepped into the director's chair for Star Trek Free Search for Spock. He got the habit. He came back in 1987 for Free Men and a Baby. And, oh. I've ten, not seen this, so I'm really. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> and you've got Tom Selleck. You've got. The Goots. The Goots. <laughs> the Goots. Steve Gutenberg. And Ted Danson. Oh, what a trio. I mean, so come back for that. It's going to be really, really fun. We can't wait to get involved with this. There's so many movies to talk about. Um, and then the month after, we will be returning to the world of Trek to talk about Star Trek comic books, mm. which is another completely separate world of this franchise to yeah, explore. Yeah, if you thought these were batshit crazy, you just wait. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. man. As uh, usual, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at SpotlightPod. You can email us at SpotlightPod at gmail.com. You we can... were the first. We got all the names correct across <laughs> all the social media platforms. Yes, yeah. you can... It only uh, took two years, but we're here. Yeah, yeah you you can listen on Apple Podcasts, on Podcast Addict, on Castbox, uh, on Podbean, wherever you can find your podcast. You can probably listen to us unless we haven't got ourselves on the service yet. So, <laughs> so you apologize. can, unless you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, unless you can't. How do you download the Spotlight Podcast? You just However download you the Spotlight Podcast, baby. Um, so it is out there. If you could leave us a five star review on iTunes, it's the same way you found this episode, essentially. Yes, yeah, exactly. How are you listening to this? this episode that's how you get it um, if you could leave us a five star iTunes review we would really appreciate it not so much to get up the charts or for people to see us just because we'd like to see the reviews to be honest it's, it's nice for them to come in and read what you're thinking about the show get in contact with us have a conversation uh, we'd love to hear from you 
by all means, you know, this might be a controversial episode uh, because you might disagree uh, that these are yeah, the worst let episodes ever. Worst. Let us know what your worst is. Let us know if you were disgusted by our criticisms of these episodes. Uh, you know, if you're if you're the Shades of Grey apologist, let us know. Um, but you probably only get one call from the mental home. So, <laughs> yeah, use it wisely. Well, that's everything for now. Let's buy from me, Paul Wilson. Bye from me, Matt Brothers. Goodbye from me, Liam. And goodbye from our guest. See you later, sweet potato.